How much is that doggy in the window? Arf, arf, arf. <laughs> the one with the waggly tail. How much is that doggy in the window? Arf, arf, arf. <laughs> I do hope that doggy's for sale. That's right, on this episode, we're doing a doggy style. Killer dog movies on Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer and welcome to another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. I am, of course, your host, Insane Mike. We're talking killer dog movies on this episode. We might throw in a few hero dogs in, into the mix as well, because there's some doggies that kind of save the day in certain horror films. <clears throat> so, so that's, so that's what we're doing. That's what we're talking about tonight. But before we do that, it's time to introduce you to... The podcast crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, first up, he might just hump your leg. Jason Bollinger, that's, everybody. That's true. That's actually true. <laughs> I have a condition. <laughs> hey, everybody. His bite is worse than his bark. W- wait a minute. Is that right? Sam Hayes, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Woof. <laughs> I knew it. Next up, his old high school nickname was Red, o- Red Rocket. Don't ask why. <laughs> Dustin Neal. Uh-huh. I was like, please, please, don't be me. Uh, <laughs> yep. And next, he wishes he could lis- lick his own testicles. John Stalter, everybody. Uh, what do you mean, wish? <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> there may or may not be some footage. <laughs> Google search, Google search. <laughs> And lastly, it was she who let the dogs out, Terry Turner. <laughs> hey, everyone. Man, I really wish, Je- wish Justin was on. His was my favorite. Well, he might be later, so you'll get to do it. I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it. Save it. How's everybody doing? Pretty good. good. Pretty good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, awesome. How are you? Great. I am. I'm all right. Okay, I'm great. Work. I'm still trying to catch my bearings, so yeah. So you'll have to bear with me with that. So, so while I'm still trying to get my shit together here, we um, check out what's going on in killer news. Now it's time for killer news. Straight from the headlines on Attack of the Killer Podcast. Resident Evil 2, the video game, is finally getting the HD remake it deserves. What, what? Yes. It was released today that Capcom is finally answering the prayers and countless petitions of fans of the series. As of right now, we know 0% about the HD remake, as Capcom is currently working on releasing Resident Evil Zero HD. One thing is for certain, 
the game will have to be rebuilt from the ground up as the original was released in 1998. Several sites are projecting a hopeful release date of 2017. I think Resident Evil 2 fans can wait that long, so just a little bit longer, guys. To me, this is big news because I'm a huge Resident Evil fan, but even more a Resident Evil 2 fan. So I don't know about you guys, but I'm pretty pumped for this. I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely definitely going to buy it. I mean, it's it's like the last one in the series to get this HD makeover or something, you know, a, another release. It's just it's just they just been shelving it for forever, so I don't know. I'm with you, Dustin. I think it's it's my favorite of the series as well, and it makes my top 10 and then favorite video games of all time. Yeah, all three. time. Top three for me. Yeah, it might even be higher than top ten. I just have to sit down and think about it first. But yeah, it's at the same time. I just can't even. Oh, can you imagine what they're going to do to this thing? It's going to be yeah, great. I hopefully I'm, I'm hoping they don't stray away. You know, too far. Um, if, if anybody has played the Resident Evil HD remake, and really that's not too far off from just the original GameCube Resident Evil remake. Uh, they, they, they they departed a little bit. They added new rooms, and of course they, they redesigned the entire game, but it looks fantastic and it plays well. I'm just, I, just, I, just, I, I hope they make it more like that, um, you know, instead of just like just really taking it off the rails and changing the story. I mean, it wouldn't be a remake if they did that, but you're not going to get in that discussion. But hopefully they stick. <laughs> very true to the story and you know i think it would be funny to bring back the same voice actors and just have them redo their lines and yeah why not i mean it's just they could because it's you know it's going to be badass but hopefully they just just keep it um you know down that path that the original or the 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 original was i really think like it just seems like the series for me peaked at two yeah i agree and so it's just weird that it just continually downward spiraled from there and they just never got back to that. And then just to like, you know, like you said, with remastering Zero and um, the original that, you know, over the years, they've never gone back and messed around with two. So Yeah, it's weird that they've stayed away for, from it for so long. I don't, I don't, I don't have no idea why, but, you know, I'm, I'm glad that they're, they're finally going to, release it any word on um what console like is there any ex- anybody that's got an exclusive on it or yeah i looked that up too it's um it, it, it's almost guaranteed it's going to be out for the ps4 and xbox one although there were no there were no guarantees as to what it was going to be released on but um with just what because resident evil hd was just released um not too long ago, maybe a couple months ago or a month ago, and it was you know it's on the PS4 and uh, on the Xbox One, and I think it might have also went to to PC as well if yeah, you're um, a Steam gamer. So I, I would imagine they're just they they've already got that, and it's 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 going to be for those exact same systems. So I, I you would you would hope anyway. Awesome. Cool. 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 Anything else there in Killer News? The scariest trailer of all time. (laughs) That's what some are calling the new trailer, Goodnight Mommy, where a mother comes home after cosmetic surgery 
After returning, the twin boys, her twin boys, start to doubt if she's actually their mother. Although it isn't the scariest trailer I've ever seen, it does have its unsettling moments. Goodnight Mommy comes out in the U.S. on September 11th. But question, was Goodnight Mommy the scariest trailer of all time? If not, what is? That's a good question. I mean, who do we really judge tra- trailers? Yeah, I know. That's you that's know? what I thought. That's what I've been thinking, trying to think <laughs> about. It's like, I remember watching trailers. I mean, I love watching trailers, <laughs> but like, yeah, I actually can't. like judging them or rating them. You know when they're shitty, but like, I don't. Hmm. Yeah, I can't think of a, of a trailer uh, per se that I found scarier. Yeah, yeah. But it was yeah, it was creepy. It's, things are fucked in that. That's for sure. In that trailer. Yeah, yeah. I you know. I wonder they, if it was just because it was foreign too, so it's extra weird for people. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> I was just gonna say that they didn't show a lot. Yeah. And what and what they did show me, you know, it, it wasn't to me as interesting i guess but it definitely to me was not scary so i mean i don't know it 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 made me want to see it but it's definitely i mean again it's come to the point in horror where if it's not a remake or a reboot the things that are original have to be labeled as the fucking scariest shit of all time you won't believe it this shit is gonna you're gonna poop everywhere like like do we have to do that to original horror movies now? Like, is that the point it's gotten to? That once we've got an original idea, we just have to say that it's the most craziest shit you're ever going to see? Because it's, I mean, I, I doubt it is. I mean, just like uh, the other day when we watched uh, um, It Follows, where, you know, we're reading the taglines on the front, and it's just like the most ridiculous taglines that for a movie trailers. that's solid. Yeah, that's a, that's a scary trailer. It's an end of solid movie, but definitely not the scariest thing I've ever seen. And, uh, you know, not one of the greatest horror movies of all time, you know, type of bullshit they're saying. So, I mean, that's that's what that's how I see it. I feel like we sh- we shouldn't do that because then that makes that hype train just even longer. And we're stuck with the so movie that's going to desensitize more and, exactly. and take more yeah, to get attention. It feels like it does set it up to, to fail. But do you remember they did the same thing? They did the same thing with um, the Evil Dead remake. Remember that whole campaign? Yeah, you're exactly right. But still, that's yeah. a remake. I mean, but, yeah, they've been doing it with even the original Evil Dead. It's like the most terrifying, the most grueling experience in terror or something. Or like Last Toss on the Left. <clears throat> like they've been kind of overhyping movies for a while. But, you know, you're right. Maybe it is more common now. It's just that I don't I don't want, you know, Hollywood to just be like, you know, well, hey, let's start getting some original movies or original ideas, things that haven't been done and just, you know, market them as the scariest thing uh, of all time. I mean, did did that? I mean, I don't I don't know. Did The Exorcist do that? I mean, did when they released a trailer where was like this is the scariest shit you're ever going to see. I mean, or was it was it to that extreme back then? Or, I mean, you know, like when the... Mike, when the you were there. <laughs> I was going to say, that might, that might have been a poor example. That one's pretty far back. I, but, well, <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street and, like, the Friday 13th. I mean, they never did say this was the scariest thing you're ever going to see, right? Well, yeah, I think Exorcist is probably a bad example because I think that... 
I don't know if they, uh, I don't know because I was way too young for that. Um, <laughs> but like after the fact, when all the, uh, all the, you know, the urban legends and reports of like, you know, people throwing up in the aisles or passing out and all that stuff, I don't know if, if the, the studio capitalized on that or if that was just like, just word of mouth. Right. Um, yeah, well, here's the thing. I mean, do they do, do they ever do that with comedies? Sure. Funniest movie you'll ever see. Well, you know, usually with them, it's like the funniest movie of the year type thing. Yeah, so, I mean, I get it. They're trying to sell a horror movie, and what's the point of us watching these things is for Tuscaria. So I, I get that that's what they're trying to do with their advertising campaign. And I think, honestly, that kind of stuff's been going on since, like, the dawn of film, really. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just... I just maybe it's just the choice of words that they're using because I go back to the Evil Dead remake and because I have that poster that teaser poster where it's like the most terrifying movie you'll ever see or I can't remember what it actually said on the poster and that was one of the things that kind of tarnished the experience for me of seeing that movie just because I let it I let myself get it built up too much based on that based on that tagline. Right. The most terrifying film you will ever experience. Yeah. Yeah, and that's... And the thing is, they didn't need to do that with that movie. I think we were probably all going to go see it anyway. For, for a remake, I don't feel like you have to say that type of stuff. And the thing is, it's like, with the with that, on the, again, on that poster, that was... the Of that goddamn poster was that tag. I mean, it was literally... Yeah, it, it was literally in the foreground of the entire, like from top to bottom of the poster, was was that tag. So that that's a really bold statement. So I, I I think it's a matter of of not necessarily. I think that stuff's been going on forever, but I think it's a matter of like in what context, like what, you know, how, how you know what what words are they using? You know, it's like saying right. the most terrifying experience of all time. That's a bit bold. Well, this is also not on the poster. This is just one person's review on one website. You know, that like, could yeah. very well be on the front of the box when we. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah, it, or... it might be, but I mean, for now, it's it's really just one person's opinion, and and it's not being promoted that way. I mean, I'm sure they love the press from it and stuff, but. Yeah. So. You're, I mean, you're it is get... written by one person. And put on some. I don't remember. I, don't, I didn't think the site was like bloody disgusting or anything. Nope, I've got the site right here. The Lad Bible is. Yeah, see, about. so. I, I mean, but a headline like that'll get some traction. You go saying yeah. shit like that, and that's maybe just what the website wanted, but. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just saying. In the where uh, Evil Dead was on the fucking poster. Just yeah, to give you a, a exactly. quote as well from Goodnight Mommy. Um, here's a quote from the AV Club that says, The violence becomes almost unbearably brutal, and I can't blame the multiple viewers who sprinted for the exit when their breaking points were reached. Like, to, to me, like, that's, that's that the type of thing. That might be true, but that's not in the trailer. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I find that more intriguing and um, than them claiming it to be the scariest movie ever, because, I mean, that's... 
That's all opinion anyway. Well, know? they're just saying this is the scariest trailer. And to me, that's that's like that's setting a movie up to, to stumble before you know? we've even we've even seen it. I mean, this is just the trailer. If 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 reviewers and people who have already seen it and then start coming out, it's like best horror movie of the year and things like that. That's maybe a little bit better, but like this, this is just an awfully titled uh, article from the Lad Bible. I feel that they they shouldn't they shouldn't even said that. But of course, here we are, <laughs> reading <laughs> about it and talking about it. So I hope it's good. I mean, I thought it. Looks good. Looked potential wise. Yeah, I'm gonna um, check it out. It looked yeah, creepy I mean, as fuck. The trailer was creepy, but I wasn't super terrified. You didn't poop your didn't. pants, Terry. I didn't. I didn't poop my pants. God, you weren't God. sprinting for your door. <laughs> <laughs> no. Wait, I mean, I, I could see how it really was. It could screen. be there, maybe you know, <laughs> by the end of the trailer, some sh- weirder shit was happening, you know. But and the concept well, yeah. is. I mean, it makes and, me excited to see it, but I'm not. Yeah. Maybe I'm just desensitized to a point where it's not scaring me. I have to see the movie to judge it, I judge guess. The movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> good. The it's good uh, plan. <laughs> I'm sorry, Terry. No, you're fine. Uh, I was gonna say, uh, Green Inferno comes out around the same time, right? September. Hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, do you think when that comes out, we're gonna get it, the the same type of things? That's because that's an original story. Even though it's a cannibal movie, but yeah, I bet so. Yeah, it'll give the hype train will start. I mean, it already yeah. kind of has been. Yeah, it's kind of been an underground a little bit. Like horror, like horror fans have been really keeping an eye on it. But I'm sure before too long they're gonna hype it up everywhere. But his, his movies always seem to be uh, overly hyped. Whenever they, well, I mean after. Uh, uh, the first one that he did, I can't, I'm totally blanking on it. That's how, been, how yeah. memorable. Hostel. Yeah. Hostel. Yeah, well, Hostel's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, that's how memorable it is for me. But, uh, Kevin Fever. It was definitely. Oh. Hostel yeah. was definitely, uh, you know, getting that hype train going, and everybody was talking how brutal it was. And, of course, then the second one was supposed to be even more insane. And So I'm sure Green Inferno yes. will have the same kind of hype train going behind yeah. it. It'll be interesting what kind of hype train, though. I mean, really think about it. You've got uh, – I, I keep using It Follows because it's like the last movie that was doing that. Uh, but you know, It Follows, I feel like anybody could sit down and watch that and you know, it, it could you – know, they have a, a pretty large audience. So they give it those titles of like Scariest Movie, all that other bullshit. But think about uh, Green Inferno, which is a cannibal movie. I'm sure it's so – incredibly gory and so gnarly and nasty and then oh, yeah. we start putting up these same taglines do you think the general audience that the same general audience who went to go see it follows because of those types of taglines will go and see green inferno <clears throat> i i think well here's the thing because eli roth has has built a brand for himself and I, I, what i'm excited about is like he's making a movie for a very niche audience really <laughs> Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who um, who is a fan of the Italian cannibal films, um, some of his favorite films, blah, blah, blah. And so he knows the source material. It's been a project that he's been working on for quite some time, obviously. Um, a true passion pro- project for him. And, but it speaks to that audience, the 
horror, and not even just the blanket horror fan, but the niche audience of the fan of the Italian cannibal films or the the fans of the darker side of horror of horror films, the more gritty, you know, gross, and and disturbing horror films. And that's that's not even the whole horror community. You're knocking that down even. But what I think is going to happen is is like it's going to open up some eyes to maybe like newer breed of horror fans that are growing up on like the paranormal activity films or or even older ones than that like like some of you guys that grew up on on like you know Scream or I know what you did last summer um, and and open their open um, their eyes up to a whole other other world and going to want to know like where this film came from and then I think you're also just going to get the mass audiences like oh well Eli Roth he made Hostel I, I you know took a date to see that and I uh, got lucky that night so well I'll give uh, Green Inferno a try now those guys are probably going to be the people that uh, that will turn away from this film but I think it's I don't know I'm pretty excited about it just for the fact that like He's taking such more of a niche little thing and, and putting it, putting it in the forefront, and it's it's kind of like what Bless you know. Him for some it. Of, what's that? Bless him for it. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like the same thing um, Quentin Tarantino has done for his entire career. You know, like uh, he's taken foreign movies and remade them and called them his own movie <laughs> for years. <laughs> I knew you were going to say can't, that. I can't wait to find out what the original 8 movie was about. Hateful 8. Hateful 8. I just watched that trailer too. It was pretty cool. I know you're going to say that, but as <laughs> a as a fan of of the same type of cinema that Eli Roth and Quentin Tarantino are fans of, mm -hmm. um watching and be like Kill Bill and learning where the homages mm -hmm. came from mm -hmm. um it it makes me seek out films that i didn't i've i still have never even heard of, of before in my you know 40 some years of of being a cinephile um and especially in grindhouse and and b pictures and whatnot and i'm still learning and it's it and that's where like i appreciate when you say Quentin Tarantino's just ripping off other films, but he's but he's I think got he's a loud mouth and yeah, it's, he does tell he does spread the word. Yeah, so I think it's awesome because he he's creating awareness for fans like me or even even what what I think is just because I like to have my own little fantasy in my head of like that there's there's groups of people out there that are just the you know you know all they do is they just for their movie entertainment, they go see what's new in the theater, you know, the next big Hollywood production, and then they get they get suckered into an Eli Roth film or a Quentin Tarantino film, and and their mind is blown, and it opens up a whole new world for cinema for them. Yeah, they. But I was just looking at some of the marketing for this, and they're not marketing it as a, like a, a a cannibal movie. I'm seeing things like adventure over horror, <laughs> and then like and look, look look at this tagline: a group of students a student activists travels to the Amazon to save the rainforest and soon discover that they're not alone and that no good deed goes unpunished. 
I mean, if you read that tagline and you're because there are people who just who are out and like, hey, let's go see a movie. What movie's out? Oh, look at this Green Inferno. Oh, this sounds like an adventure. Could you imagine just <laughs> going to this? I mean, we already know what it's going to be like. And just like the general public walking into this movie, to me, just makes me giggle inside. Like, it's just. Can't wait to be there for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and I don't think, like, I mean, I don't know which films were the direct influence on, on Green Inferno. But some of the stuff I've I've heard that there's definitely more going on in this film than just the, the cannibal stuff. So to call it an adventure, I can see that. You know, there's stuff, um, you know, trying to survive the rapids of, of the of this river and dealing with, you know, poisonous animals, that kind of stuff. And kind of reminds me a little bit of, like, movies like, um, like some of the original ones, like... Uh, Man from Deep River, which was really kind of one of the first Italian cannibal films, and the the cannibalism, the cannibal tribes and stuff was was really like a like a third tier story in the whole thing. It was it was just part. Uh, it was just another chapter in the adventures of what was going on with this guy. So I mean, I don't know if it's that to me. To me, I, to me, everything I see about it, it re- it really seems like to me the cannibal stuff is far more in the far front, but. Uh, I guess I don't know. We'll find out. I think either way, he's gonna really have to fuck it up for me, probably not to like it. You know, just because <laughs> I too am a fan of all those Italian cannibal films, and to be able to see something like that on a big screen, oh, I'm just so excited. And I think also something too that's gonna is gonna help the film is is honestly, um, you know, it, it's like with it. It's like the politics, man. With it follows and all everything that went on with the politics with that. I think the fact that you know is the old adage of "there's no such thing as bad press." The fact that the poor guy could not get that film distributed for like what over a year. Yeah. And yeah. and it was very much in the spotlight that this film. It's not like some films that like get shelved and no one ever talks about it. Um. It was very much in the spotlight. It's like, what's happening with Green Inferno? How come, you know, the, these people are fucking Eli Roth over on Green Inferno? Blah, 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 Green Inferno. When's it ever going to come out? I saw it at, at a Toronto Film Festival two years ago, but it's still not at... What's going on? What's going on? So, I think that's really going to help the film a lot, too. Um, that kind of, like, uh, forbidden fruit thing. Yeah. I mean, they're adventures now, so, I mean... It's a fucking horror film. <laughs> okay, well, the next the next thing I want to talk about, the last thing here on Killer News, and I didn't write anything up for it because I, I had saved an article that I wanted to make fun of, and I wanted you guys to make fun of it too. But <laughs> I lost the article. But I don't know if you guys are aware, but they're making a Pet Cemetery remake. And What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my thoughts exactly. The article I had uh, was just really bashing the old one. Um, bashing you know, was, the old one? Yeah, it was pretty bad. I wish I I looked forever trying to find. That's why I was late getting on. But I was looking because the things they were saying were just downright ridiculous, to the point of the writer. Uh, I think he made some comments, and I'm just paraphrasing here because I don't have the article in front of me. Uh, saying that you know, the 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 old one is good. I mean, it's it's funny to watch 
a guy smoke a joint while driving a semi and listening to the Ramones while he's driving a semi down the road. But, you know, we really need to have some emotion and some character to the film. And I know it was exactly, exactly. Was this on, on, uh, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, dot com? No. (laughs) It might have been. And they said they were, and this article almost made it seem like the, the writer, they said they were focusing more on the book. Which it seems like that's what everybody's doing now with King's material, but, yeah, but... <laughs> he said something along the lines like, well, "Yeah, there's there's animals in it that that come back from the dead, but it's more than that. It's about a family and, and certain situations and what happens, and it's going to be way more brutal than the original." And, and like, I just want to tell people when they talk like that, have you seen the original? I mean, no the kidding, original- it doesn't sound like it. <laughs> And also, do you know that Stephen King wrote the screenplay? I mean, it, like, yeah. he adapted his own work. It's not like the original, unfaithful. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah. and I think yeah. he's gone. If if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I think he's even gone on record saying that it's 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 the one movie that's the closest to his book. Yeah, yeah. like I I think so I like did how a much segment on that. Yeah, that's why I would love to read you some of these quotes. Uh, if I find it afterwards, we'll we'll put it up on the site. It was it was pretty ridiculous. It was very infuriating, and I can't believe I lost it. But they quoted – this is just the writer. This is not the director. The director is the same director who did um, – I want to say Midnight Meat Train, but I could I could very well be wrong on that. But it was uh, – the, the, the writer was just really just bashing the old one. And, and, and it's, it seemed that way in the article, and he may not have been, but, you know, sometimes when you write an article, you can manipulate what that person's saying in a way that makes it sound negative. But this didn't seem like that. It seemed like a lot of things were in quotations, his words, that were just not good words. So, Well, here's the thing. I hope it is all out of context because it would, it would scare me. I think that a writer's going in to write a remake to a movie without truly understanding the original movie. Like, did he just watch it once? Did he watch it at all? Like, right. Church, yeah. Church is the one animal that gets brought back to life, and it's not even the it's not even the point of the fucking movie. You want to talk about, you know, emotion, and that that movie is riddled with like, you oh, know, yeah. emotion and. And you know it's all about the freaking family stuff in in that movie. Oh and the, yeah. The, the whole thing of church coming back is more of just a a story motivator than anything else. Right. <laughs> you know, so it, it's like the opposite of what I was just talking about with Green Inferno. It's just like I mean, because I know Eli Roth knows the source material. Where this guy, I'm worried because he doesn't know the source material, and I'm just worked up because it. I, I'm, you know, um, because of my insane's pick that I'll get to later in the show. Stay tuned for that. But I just kind of up in arms about people, you know, fucking with projects when they don't bother to do the to do to do really do the work. I guess you should say. But I'll get to that later. Speaking of pets and animals, maybe we should uh, talk about some dogs. <laughs> We, we will do that, but I do have a couple other things real quick. Um, right. First off, would like to um, would like to officially 
welcome John as an official member of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank to you. Our, Thank you. Or I'm sorry, whichever you believe. Are we going to have to bring out the paddles now, or is that later? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to have to drive two hours, so I just want to prepare. <laughs> so, welcome, buddy. <laughs> Thank you. So it's great to have you, man. Um, I do, and with that said, I would like to uh, maybe turn it over to you a little bit. You had, you just got back from Flashback Weekend, correct? Yes, yes, I did. How was that? Uh, it was an excellent time. Uh, that was, I think, my fourth flash Flashback Weekend, maybe my fifth. We didn't make it last year, but uh, yeah, we we went out to visit our friend who was uh, there as a guest signing autographs and. So we mostly hung out with her, just kind of hung out at her booth and and whatnot. But of course, Tom Atkins was there, mm, and sweet. he is always the coolest guy ever. Yeah. Uh, so I had to meet him again, and uh, Stacy Nelkin from uh, Halloween Three was there, and she was an absolute sweetheart. She was just very personable, and we talked for a while. Um, I didn't I didn't really meet too many uh, celebrities. Well, I did meet Pat Healy from uh, one of my favorite movies of the last few years, Cheap Thrills. Yeah. Uh, he he was an excellent individual, but uh, yeah, it was just I mean it was a good time just hanging out with our friend and she introduced me to uh, Eric Preston who was uncredited as Mike Myers, young Mike Myers in Halloween Four. Got oh. to hang out with him for a while, talk you know talked about the Halloween movies and just stuff in general. I mean we mostly just ended up talking about music at the end of the night, but uh, I'm not I'm not gonna brag here, but I am. We uh, went to dinner and John Russo was at the table. <laughs> so, did you have to pay for him, or <laughs> somebody? I think ended up paying for him, and I wish. Oh it was yeah, okay. Because it was expensive, but no, it was it was a good weekend. I mean, I I ended up with like seven movies that I'm super excited to watch, and got a few shirts, a few posters. <laughs> Sorry, hey Jason. Yeah. You want to tell your John Russo story? Uh. What, which one? I just I helped him load in the Days of the Dead once. Oh, yeah. did he ask for money? Do you remember his his reward for for helping him? What, what did he give me? Like a shirt that was like a small. It was like <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was like a small shirt that was wadded up on the bottom of his trunk and it reeked of gasoline. Remember that's that? true. That's true. <laughs> that's that's something that you treasure, Sweet old man. Until it catches on fire. That's right. <laughs> Some hard candy in there too. Don't eat it all at once. He looked like he needed help carrying stuff, so I helped him. That was awesome of you. He's, he is up there in age. Yeah. I just nice thought guy, it was, I just thought it, yeah, he's a nice guy. Yeah. I just thought it was But that flashback nice. was Halloween centric, man. Like everybody yeah, was there. Yeah, I just really I just really, I don't know. Didn't want to meet a lot of people from Halloween. I mean, uh, we were mostly just going to hang out with our friend and yeah. Meet a few people. I did have Nick Castle at the restaurant ask me what I ordered. I thought that was cool. Nice. <laughs> just totally random. Just turns me. What'd you get? A sandwich. Uh, okay. And he rips off your head. Yep. Yeah. And then eats my sandwich. That <laughs> 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 no, was a good time. Good time. I always like going to flashback. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Okay. So without any further ado, now that we're what five hours into the episode we can get into the topic some doggy dog dog movies some dog on dog action yeah 
Whoa. What? <laughs> what movies did you guys watch? What? Uh, I thought we were. Oh, whoops. Oh. Wrong link. So, so this is usually the point in the show where I pick somebody at random and and ask them to talk about a dog movie. But screw you guys. I'm just gonna start it off with Man's Best Friend because I've been dying to talk about this movie. Now, I want to. I, I thought about implementing um, the secret word for the day. <laughs> or a catchphrase for the day, um, but um, but we're not going to do that. If we were going to do that, the secret word for the day would be acid pee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. So, man's best friend, uh, Terry, tell us about it. Oh, well, um, some reporters who are um, very against testing on animals break into this... Uh, testing facility to get some illegal footage of what's going on behind the doors and they come across this super adorable dog and they're like oh puppy why are you in this cage let me help you and they accidentally set it free and it runs amok with them outside they escape and um the main reporter, who is Ali Sheedy, she yeah. um, she kind of takes the dog in and gives it a place to stay. Little does she know that it's like this super soldier dog that's trained to kill like anything, and it's about ready to. Um, it's got like a, a timer set on it. It's going to become unstable and just want to murder everything and Lance Henriksen is the guy that runs the lab and he's trying to track him down and get the dog back that's the general gist of it Ali Sheedy was it just me or it probably was I thought she, I, I thought she hotter in Breakfast Club than Molly Ringwald yeah. oh, oh yeah. Sure. Yeah. Oh, sure. yeah. yeah I'm not crazy we yeah. are your people I mean, yeah, yeah. Definitely more of an Ali Sheedy guy. Got it. Yeah, cool. any girl, any girl who eats sugar sandwiches is. <laughs> <laughs> I want to snort Ritalin with her. She looks like she'd be, be into that. Uses her own, her own dandruff to finish her drawing. Yeah. yeah. She's just artsy. That's all. So creative. <laughs> right. All right. That's pretty ingenious. Let's not let her around knives. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so man's best friend uh i i had seen it originally when it came out uh on video back in the day um and i just forgot how bonkers this movie is it's it it's a lot of fun it's definitely very 90s so 90s oh yeah it reeks of 90s but uh it you know and i had forgotten ali she was in it i had actually even forgotten lance hedrickson was in it so seeing both of them was like oh this is great this is awesome and I want to jump back to the very beginning of this where, you know, you said like Ali Sheedy and her camera woman um, are going through the through the uh, uh, the building and looking at the, all the animals. What the fuck? <laughs> was I mean, were those effects? Like the, the monkey with his brain exposed? Yeah. And, <laughs> I mean... It looked poor, good. Yeah. Oh. Those could have been other projects. I mean, we don't know. Well, yeah, well, I'm just saying, effects-wise, that looked really good. 
And then oh. like he just wants to make sure that they weren't actual animals with their yeah. brains hanging out. I think we're safe. I think it's. I think it's okay. Maybe well, it was yeah. real. It could it, be. I mean, back maybe then. they were like trying to uh, like secretly expose it through this cheesy movie. <laughs> like they're doing tests on these animals. You gotta stop it. Well, what I don't yeah. know. Well, but the thing is, those animals had to have been real. Oh yeah. So well, is, yeah. is it just as is it? Well, I agree, not just as bad, um, but. And it also, wouldn't that also be kind of horrific too to like put prosthetics on a poor defense on an animal? Yeah, it's a little fucked up. They not that a monkey fake brain. <laughs> they don't have souls. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's arguing with you. Okay. <laughs> I know. Anyway, that that really caught me off guard. Um, right at the beginning there. Just yeah, like, I think it's just like the found footage aspect kind of makes it more realistic seeming. Yeah. It's all like POV stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Not not that I found it like sick and disturbing. I just, on a filmmaking side of things, I was just like, how on the F did they do that? You know, was it really prosthetics on animals? Were they like fake animal? Like actual footage of some... You know, medical supply place or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. Have you seen, like, not to digress too much, but, like, have you seen, like, actual footage of, like, the monkeys getting, like, their brains probed? It's, like, pretty gnarly. No, can't say uh. <laughs> No, thank you. <laughs> and things so- got awkward. <laughs> you know, you know what really sold me in this movie, like what that made it a true '90s movie for me, was the um, the dog on dog action. I know we. Said we <laughs> oh my god! Oh man! I for- almost forgot about that. And each time that the puppy love song would cue, <laughs> oh my god, I about died. I'm like, what is this Beethoven? Like, what am I watching? Uh huh. <laughs> I know it gets a little. There like, were weird just, comedic so, scenes. Yeah, it was throughout just, this movie that didn't yes. belong there. Weird, and then that's the weirdest oh. because essentially what we're telling you, telling the audience, is that this dog is raping Lassie. Yeah, pretty much. Right. That's what's happening. <laughs> yeah, did but he it, like actually rape the dog, or was it just like really shy? I couldn't quite tell. Lassie no like means no, Sam. She's like running away. And she, Let's like, runs not into get into the bedroom. a rape discussion, shall we? Dog rape. <laughs> but um, I think my favorite scene is actually um, the scene with the cat. Yeah. He climbs up the tree. Because they kind of went through, like, oh, he's he's been experimented on. He's been giving all of these capabilities from other animals. You know, the DNA strains have been spliced and whatnot. And so he can climb a tree like a leopard or whatever. And he climbs up the tree and just completely inhales the cat in, like, one foul swoop. Yeah, like, he fucking swallows this cat like yeah. a fucking anaconda. It's insane. Like a snake. It's just, so insane. My, my favorite animal power was when he became a, chame- a chameleon. chameleon. Yeah. Yes, yeah. That's good, too. <laughs> but let's, uh, let's go back to the, the acid piss. So like this dog is genetically modified. What He's animal? Got all these different animals. But like, what? What, what fucking acid. animal has acid piss? Uh, alien, I guess. Alien? Yeah, that's yeah. The that's... 
I guess that's it. Yeah. That's the only, thing, the only logical thing I can think of. He, like, no, pisses think... on this fire hydrant and melts this metal fire hydrant. This guy's face. Nobody wants to talk about how the fucking dog knew how to cut the brake line? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> Because that happens. happens. What animal trait did that come from? Yes. Well, it's just, yeah, they gave him some really weird, like, human personification action going on. Like, the whole, oh, I got really weirded out earlier on when the dog was basically, like, wanting to bone Ali Sheedy. It was really weird. Like, there were some really awkward moments. Well, that was the moment of the film where I sided with the dog, really. (laughs) (laughs) And I saw his plight in that. I wouldn't have been opposed if that would have happened. Yeah, he's, like, watching them, like, do it. He's getting all jealous. Uh, Yeah, it was was weird. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, it did have a lot of just very odd comedic tones throughout the whole yeah. thing. Got the two dog cats. All every all their scenes were just like you even had like like more comical music during that during that moment. Oh, okay. And let me ask, jump all the way back to the beginning credits of this movie. Did anybody think they were watching an episode of Cheers when this started? <laughs> <laughs> No. Like it starts off with these like paintings, and it just and and the music it's it's on piano and it's oh, it's yeah. very oh, reminiscent yeah, to the I fucking guess. cheer song, and it just does these push-ins on the dogs and stuff. But then it gets a, like a, the dog the dog pictures get a little bit more vicious as the credits roll on. But right there at the beginning, I'm like, did I, did I click on Mass Best Friend or Cheers? I'm not sure. Right. They're right next to each other. Either way, you're gonna laugh and have a good time. Exactly. No harm. <laughs> Yeah, well, get me a beer. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jay, thoughts on man's best friend? Uh, all those things. <laughs> yeah, same. I just thought it was super nineties. I, the weirdest, the hardest time I had with the movie was the interlaced comedic scenes in this movie that was trying to be serious. Yeah, yeah. I saw it listed on, I don't even know what website now, but they said it was a uh, horror black comedy. (laughs) I don't know how they get black comedy in that. I mean, I get the comedy part, but like, it wasn't really dark. No, it was just straight up silly. Yeah. (laughs) A little bit of violence with some what the fuck shit is going on. Like, just really silly, weird crap. Yep. But entertaining. Yeah, totally it was silly, but if you really think about those scenes that were funny, like, I, I still question is like, was that, was, was that their intent? I mean, who's, who's sitting around at the typewriter writing a script, man's best friend, and think, oh, you know what would be hilarious right here? A dog rape scene. <laughs> yeah, well, they made it funny with the music is what made it all funny. Yeah. The puppy love song? I mean, really? Too much. Yeah. Too much. <laughs> Made rape oh, okay. God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just play that song, yeah. you're in the clear. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
Did we like it? Did you guys like the movie? Oh, I thought it was very entertaining. It. Yeah. It was just, yeah, definitely some random, like the, the silly moments were, they were welcome, but very out of place at the same time. I enjoyed them, but for not good reasons, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Well, well, that's the thing. I mean, my enjoyment out of, of the film, and I like it, and I don't know if I like it ironically or if I like it for the way it was intended. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, it's an entertaining think, movie. Yeah. No, I, I think it was yeah. supposed to be pretty pretty silly, tongue-in-cheek. I thought I a lot of so. the dog effects were great. Yeah. Yes, I thought yeah. the dog effects were... Dog acting was great, too. Mm-hmm. Or oh, yeah. The, acting. Yeah, the, the animal acting in that movie was phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, the dogs did... I mean, I say dogs because I assume they use more than one, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and, he, and even some of the effects work on the dog was cool. I mean, I know it was at times inconsistent, but like after it got blowtorched to the face, um, and it had oh, yeah. like that, it yeah. had like that that burnt out eye, that just a white eye, mm-hmm. and it really made the dog look creepier and stuff. And I thought, again, I'm thinking this looks really cool. Did they just did they put a fucking contact lens on a dog? You know. <laughs> Or maybe, or maybe they had a dog that looked like that that actually had a fucked up eye. I don't know. Maybe. Could be. Yeah, man. Do you think like a regular contact lens would work on a, a dog? I, I don't know. You want to be the one to put it put it in a giant? <laughs> Not that dog. No. You uh, <laughs> might get acid piss on you. That doggy contact lens uh, might be the next uh, big uh, fashion thing. Yeah, so man. yeah, this movie created a monster. I always appreciate whenever you're supposed to see a vicious dog, and it always it always m- makes me laugh when I see a vicious dog in a movie, but its tail is wagging. <laughs> so as I'm watching Man's Best Friend, I'm looking for that shit, right? In all these movies, I'm looking for that. And that dog did not wag its tail once during any of the, the horrific moments. Also, did you guys notice, like, every time, like... Max is the dog's name, by the way. Um, every time Max <laughs> is supposed to is supposed to appear into the scene, and it's supposed to be a scary scene, and he's supposed to be all menacing, he's always creeping around something. He's like either creeping, he he creeps around a corner, or my favorite is when the mailman is, is dropping off the mail, and he turns around, uh, and yeah, and what the, the fuck? And the dog just starts to um, just starts to appear over the bottom step, you know, out out of frame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that mailman. Why did he mailman. have to? Yeah. Mace the fucking dog. When he was get... losing his mind, man. Oh. Yeah, man. The dog buried the mailman underneath the porch. Yeah. <laughs> Brutal. But the mailman didn't do anything. That was the weirdest. I don't know. Sorry. Well, he pepper sprayed him. That was his big mistake. Yeah. But well, it didn't. Whole, I mean, he was trying to protect himself, but you know. Well, it had to hurt him. He yelped a little bit, but it obviously didn't have the full-on effect that it usually Pepper does. would have a normal yeah. dog. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, the whole time I'm waiting for Lance Hendrickson's character to have his kind of become the good guy. 
but he just he just remains kind of an asshole through the whole movie. Yep. So he gets his come up and spoiler alert. Right. The one Which thing I, I did yeah. Oh go, go ahead. ahead. I was just gonna uh, say like the one thing I didn't really get is like so like Ali Sheedy, she's like this newswoman and like the beginning of the movie they're like trying to get this big scoop, you know, and do it all secret like and then like after she gets the dog she just like kinda of forgets about this news story. Like well, that's a good point, yeah. I didn't I didn't understand what was it not important to her, I guess. Well she did, well she does go back and watch this the footage and then and then uh they find out Lance Hendrickson's in the building, so she makes a run for it. And then Lance Hendrickson gets kicked out of the building, then he sneaks into the building using a tranquilizer dart on a on a letter carrier or whatever. So he sneaks into the or a security guard, I guess. He sneaks into the building. He gets all the way upstairs. Gets into the editing room, and the footage is still playing. Yeah. <laughs> and it just happens to be on the one moment that would be, uh, like, I'd understand if like they paused it and left that image on the screen or whatever. But the footage is still playing. God, I mean, who knows how long it took him to get up there from when Ali Shidi left the building. And it just happens to be at just that, and they couldn't have shot that much footage. They weren't there that long in the beginning of the, at the beginning of the movie. No, not that long. Unless, unless it loops, maybe it loops. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think you can do that on like those old editors. I don't know. But yeah, she just kind of completely forgot about this all-important news story. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Dog sex I, was more important <laughs> in the movie's plot. So. I, yeah, I felt bad for the dude, her boyfriend. He just gets pissed on the face with this acid piss and acid piss. That's a bit much. <laughs> so for the first, the first half of this movie, before Max starts kind of going evil. Was it just me, or did was did it kind of feel to short circuit a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Or was it just because it was Ali Sheedy? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, it had. I mean, it kind of had similar humor, I guess. I mean, think about it. Like this experiment escapes from the lab, bumps into Ali Sheedy. Ali <laughs> Sheedy takes the experiment in. There's, yeah. there's like a very uncomfortable, awkward connection between the two. That I mean, yeah. like short circuit. I was waiting for a robot on girl sex in that movie. So. Yeah, but at the end of Man's Best Friend, the robot doesn't come up and like, hey, I made a backup of myself. Like it's, <laughs> the dog's just fucking dead. <laughs> but he has puppies with with the collie. Oh shit, so he did make backups of himself. Yeah. Oh, oh my god, sorry. he did. This is short circuit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there you have it, folks. We've uncovered it. Man's best friend is just a remake of short circuit. He's a dog. Only without the over over racist Indian guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
any other any other thoughts, comments on Man's Best Friend? Um, they had to say the name of the movie in there, didn't they? They did, yeah. No. This it is the nineties. Yep. <laughs> so I was happy to hear that. This isn't Man's <laughs> Best Friend we're talking about, or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Oh. What? Like, I don't know. Do you think he? <laughs> he <laughs> read that his decision. Like, do I really have to say this line? Oh. Do I really have to say this line? Well, you know. He's probably really into it. I'm going to ask him in a couple weeks and see if it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's exciting. I, I got to videotape that. <laughs> so, in Man's Best Friend, you say the line. <laughs> you probably, you, you won't remember. That was 1993. Like... He wants to talk about Harbinger Down or whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, awesome. So, okay, what other dog movies should we talk about? Has anyone else seen Devil Dog, The Hound of Hell? Nope. What? <laughs> oh, my God. All right, well, it was fun. I don't really want to talk about it if no one else has seen it. <laughs> where did you Where did you I'm find sorry. it? Um, I think I watched it on YouTube. It's just under. I think it was just under Devil Dog. Okay. Dang it, Mike was looking. The best part it was actually. It's basically they um, they perform a satanic ritual on this German Shepherd, and she's impregnated and gives birth to demon puppies. And then they give one to a family, and the dog basically has mind control over, like, the two kids, and then eventually the mother, and the dad's, like, fighting it. Like, he's the the good force, and he goes against the dog. But the really, the best thing about the whole thing is that the whole movie, the devil dog, is this, it's just this beautiful, like, full-bred German shepherd. And then there are, like, one or two scenes when it shows its quote-unquote true form and it's like some rottweiler mix with like this weird lion's mane and horns <laughs> like stuck on top of its head and it's so and it's like superimposed like green screen style like floating in air it is so <laughs> hilarious the horns and stuff well just the this the this visage of this dog oh, with oh, it's okay. like yeah, it's just, it almost looks like it's got a headband stuck on this dog, basically, is how bad it looks. It's so awful. <laughs> but it, I mean, it was entertaining enough, I guess. I don't know. I kind of want to see this now. <laughs> yeah, it was a little silly. I'm trying to think, um, let me see, look up the actors who were in it. Um, Richard Prina. I don't, they, I mean, I recognized him anyway. He was in Rambo and stuff. This was a TV um, movie? <laughs> was it? Sure. Acor according to IMDb, it is. It, nice. was, it was pretty cheesy. But, you know, we don't wait, have to dwell on that. Cause I, wait, what year was it? Uh, I think it's 78. Said, yeah, 78. See, they did, they put anything on TV. And, <laughs> yeah. It was weird. Scene, so. Like Gargoyles. You ever seen Gargoyles? I've never seen it, but I've uh, heard of it. Oh, I love that movie. Uh, and it was, I was just it, saying, the cartoon? 
No, it was a, a 70s movie, and it was like an early Stan Winston effects work as well. Uh -huh. um, and and it's 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 70s, and it's cheesy, and it's like it's like a, a 40s or 50s monster movie, but in the 70s, so you know it's not like overly believable. But it's just it's crazy to think that that, that kind of stuff that was being produced to be was made directly just for television. You know, made for TV movies. But, like, you know, nowadays our conception of TV, made for TV uh, movies is is so different. You would never think that a movie like that would ever be purposely made for um, network television. Mm -hmm. It's awesome, though. Gargoyles, go check it out. There's no <laughs> devil dog, but... <laughs> well, Dustin, what about you? What what killer dog movie are you uh, thinking of? I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember that one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me look at the list here real quick. And I'll, uh... <laughs> what well, about? Pet Cemetery 2, you've seen that one. Oh, yeah, yeah, I like Pet Cemetery 2. <laughs> I saved Terry. Yeah. <laughs> it was. <laughs> yeah, this movie, you know, I I don't I don't think it gets as much love from the horror community that uh, that it deserves. But maybe that's okay. Um, it's something that I've liked ever since I rented it way too young don't know why they let me rent it but uh it's something i've liked ever since it came out and i still like it and i've watched it you know not too long ago and i still like it because it's it's another great 90s movie because it's got edward furlong and oh you know that that uh actor doctor from er i can't remember his name revenge of the nerds guy lewis oh. Not Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards. Yeah, Anthony Edwards. Yes. Anthony Edwards. Louis Skolnick. <laughs> but no, no, this movie is really cool. It starts off with, and we're just, uh, let's just spoil this one because this one's been around for so long people ain't going to fucking care. Uh, it starts off, have you not seen it? Uh, maybe. I don't really know actually, but spoil it. I don't care. Uh, I'll get around um, to seeing it eventually. It's on Netflix right now. So. Yeah. Just watch it as I talk about it. <laughs> um, but it's got Edward Furlong in it, and his mother is a, a, a movie star. She's a pretty big deal. And she dies on set, which, you know, that's a horrible way to die. And I'm, I'm sure there's probably a lawsuit that went in behind the scenes that we didn't see about during the movie. But anyway, he goes to live with his dad, uh, Revenge of the Nerds guy. And he, it's the same town. It's the same town as um, uh, the, the the first family. Yeah, because yeah. the kid drives right through the yard. Yeah. On the bike. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, um, they 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 kind of they kind of call back to that a little too much. <laughs> like when they first when he rode through the yard and you see the mailbox the first time, I'm like, oh, that's kind of neat, you know. That's. Establishing it's the same town, but not being overly obvious about it. But then they linger on the fucking mailbox, and then later in the movie, there's like three thousand callbacks to what happened in the first movie. And I'm like, I get it. It's the same town. I get it. 
Uh, sometimes well, and I think we up. owe a lot of that to it's the same director as the first movie. Yeah, and I want to get into that. Um, Dustin, I'll let you finish uh, before we get into that, though. I'll let you finish with your your synopsis. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, they're like I said, they're obviously in the same town as the first uh, Pet Cemetery. Um, he's a new kid in town. He, he's lost his mother. Uh, he finds uh, some kittens and. I'm trying to remember everything um, correctly here. I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank. But eventually, they they make it to the pet cemetery. I think they bury uh, his friend's dog first, yeah. right. and then the dog comes back, and it's like it's you know it's it's weird because in a previous pet cemetery, you know they pretty much come back and they're vicious. But this dog at first is just kind of, uh, I don't know how to say it, but I mean, he's not vicious and he hangs around for a while, but then he starts to get more and more crazy and uh, eventually somebody dies and they got to put a human in the pet cemetery. And, you know, when humans come back from the pet cemetery, they just. But he's even sort of normal for a minute. Like the dog yeah. was. Right, and so's the human. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Clancy. Clancy. Uh, I can't think <laughs> of his name right now. I just like calling him Clancy. But, Clancy uh, Brown. Yes. Yeah, I love him. He does a good job in this movie. Yeah, he but, was yeah, good. I mean, after, after you know, once once the, the dog and human have buried and they come back, it's, it's uh, just all hell breaks loose. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, all hell breaks loose. And you talk about like the dog not being. I mean, there's obviously something off with the dog when it first comes back. And here's the thing: like church, you know, when church came back in the first church, kind of came off as instantly evil. But it was all directed towards the dad because that was after that was after the kids were off vacationing with the mom or whatever. So. Church was just evil to him, so, like, I can see how the dog would be nice to the boy at first, you know, and then, but, like, uh, the asshole sheriff stepfather um, kind of triggers the crazy, you know, evilness of whatever the pet cemetery causes you to do. Uh, there's a lot to get into with this movie. I'm gonna yeah, the that. ground is fucking sour, folks. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> not everything's going to come back like they once was. So, Terry, you had mentioned that it was directed by the same director, uh, Mary Lambert, who directed mm-hmm. the first, first movie. And uh, re-watching this movie for... Uh, well, Dustin, have you rewatched it lately? Or is uh, this still yeah, based on your... Not too long ago, really, yeah. Okay. I hadn't watched this in, in decades, and I watched it uh, the other night, and it didn't hold up as well. I don't, I didn't hate it. I still enjoyed the movie, and I still think mm-hmm. it deserves far more credit than it ever got. But just based on – but as soon as I saw Mary's name, my jaw hit the floor. I'm like, it's the same fucking director? Because even back in the day when I first watched this, I realized tonally and direction-wise, it's way fucking different than the first movie mm-hmm. yeah i mean this is just this is straight up like a a a blood blast bloodbath slasher sequel 
It doesn't have any of the um, the deep the deep meanings that's going on in the first movie. All that uh, all that character development and human emotion, um, you know that the that that one writer of the remake claims is not there in the first movie. Um, <laughs> the second movie doesn't have that at all. It's all just about you know body count, gore, jump scares, and all that, which is fine, which is fine. But it's just weird that it, again it's coming from the exact same director. Yeah, and you know, like this what is ninety two, so I mean that plays a factor and probably, you know, side by side with the eighties, it's going to be different. Plus, you've got Edward Furlong who was just recently, recently in, uh, the Terminator. Terminator too. So, so he's he's hot right now. So it's like maybe it was rushed uh, to get this out. And maybe uh, Mary didn't get a chance to do all the things that she wanted to do, and it might have just been one of those producer-type movies. And and you're probably right there. That would be my assumption too. And and obviously, you know, she didn't write it. At least I don't did. And so you can't blame her for the story. I'm not saying that there's any blame to be put, but as far as making the comparisons between the between the two movies. But yeah. this is the thing that that always stands out to me about the original Pet Cemetery on how how much of a it really feels like this is based off of this is based off of a book. This has a, the first movie has much more of a fantasy element to it. There's 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 more supernatural going on in in that film than than um, that we are to logically understand. And there's no, there's no having to explain it. I mean, you got, you got the one guy's, the one guy, the bicyclist ghost who keeps coming back and warning what's his face to not bury people in the pet cemetery. You got, you got the whole pet cemetery thing with, with very little. I mean, if I remember right, like in this movie, they literally show you burying bodies in the pet cemetery and they even do ginormous aerial shots of the entire landscape of the pet cent- of the uh, of the Indian burial ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if I remember right and correct me if I'm wrong in the first movie, they go up the hill and then it's just they're back home. You don't ever see anybody anything getting buried in the um, Indian burial ground area. It is completely left anonymous in 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 mystery. Right? Or am I in the, wrong? In the, in the first second? one. In the first one. I mean, you, you don't seem like dig dig the grave, but that's about it, I guess. Okay, so I guess you do see a little bit of it, but in this movie, they give you a huge freaking aerial shot of the entire landscape of the Indian burial ground. You know, mm. so it, it's I, it just it it didn't have that kind of magical fantasy element that I felt the first movie had. Right, yeah. right. I feel like there were some wider shots of the cemetery in the first movie, too. Like, you kind of had a feel for some of it. Maybe there was a bit more mystery tied to it. But at the same time, I don't feel that the cemetery really played as much of a role in the second movie. Like, they did, they buried some things and they came back to life, but it wasn't. I almost don't feel like the cemetery was really the focus most of the time it was more like ah we need zombies let's get zombie things to kill other things and like I don't know yeah yeah Yeah. I get that yeah 
And again, not that it's a bad thing. So again, this no. movie is very entertaining and it's a lot of fun. Um, just if you know, just don't expect the first movie when you go to sit down and watch it. No, right? not at all. Like I didn't. This was I actually watched it for the first time, oh. preparing for this episode. I'd never seen it before, and I really, I really enjoyed it. But yeah, it was definitely very tonally different. Like the first one was much scarier than this one for sure, um, but I, I loved it. Like I thought that um, what's his face, um, Clancy Brown's character, he was like my favorite part of the whole movie for the most. Oh. He, you he know, really, the, well for me, he really felt like the only actor that really wanted to be there. Well, yeah, maybe. Like everybody, <laughs> I mean, I get it. Ed, Edward Furlong and um, Anthony Edwards are supposed to be kind of remorseful, but like there just was no emotion out of either of those guys through ninety five percent of the movie. The bully is really good, but he's that's the oh kid yeah, the bully's yeah. good. Big. Yeah. What, el- what else was that kid in? Like, big. what was his? Ah, thank you. I was like, what the hell else was he in? That that's what I remember. Definitely. Yeah, big for sure. Oh, and uh, Honey Shrunk the Kids. <gasps> That's right, the neighbor yes. kid. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, no, it was it was it was a lot of fun, and I really, and honestly, the the opening scene with the mother getting electrocuted on the movie set, that was pretty brutal. Like it was very prolonged. I was like, what the. F- it kind of freaked me out at first. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, I knew it didn't really have anything to do with the cemetery at that time yet, but that was yeah. a really awesome opening scene. It it had me hooked onto the movie, and it had me very intrigued. Yeah. This one, this one if you think about it, in the time that it came out, it was just a sequel that gave you more of everything from the first movie. It gave yeah. you those bigger than wider shots of the, the pet cemetery. If you were wondering what it looked like and it gave you more people being resurrected from the pet mm-hmm. cemetery. Um, you know, and then you get your, your dog, obviously uh, theme of the show, which is um, <laughs> much more brutal than church ever was. Yeah. So, I mean, he actually, the dog actually kills Clancy in that uh, mm-hmm. bonfire scene, which is pretty gross because he like rips out his throat. His throat, yeah. yeah. So if you see it in a way, in that type, you know, in that time period when all the sequels were just giving you more of what the first one was, I feel like it's right on par. And it, it does, it like Mike, you said, it doesn't hold up as much. I still really enjoy it though. Oh yeah, for, yeah, for sure. Um, but you know, going back to uh, you know the first movie, um, you know, but Church wasn't. I mean, after Church had turned zombie or whatever, Church wasn't still in it that much. This dog was all over. That's why this this yeah. particular movie I feel is warranted in this episode because dog is all over the second and third act of this movie. Yeah, definitely. There's a particular shot I really love is when the the chunky kid is going upstairs. And he's being chased by the dog. And what's the dog's name, by the way? Is wasn't it Zowie or Zowie. something? Uh, yeah. There's a shot where the kid runs into his room, and Zowie is running up the stairs, and he turns around the 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 stair banner, and it's just I don't know if it's a real dog or not, but it it's just it's 
its face is the like the entire frame of the shot and it just it turns mm-hmm. so fast and it's got the red eyes and the teeth it's just it's an excellent shot i remember it from the trailer and i was remember looking for it when i watched it in the movie and it's that's probably my favorite shot of the dog it's so cool looking so john john you you've seen this movie right maybe Maybe. <laughs> I, I'm i just going to say no. If I did, it would have been when it came out on VHS, so I'm not going to remember anything okay. about it. Okay. Uh, Sam, what about you? It's been a long time since I saw the whole thing. Okay. I can't remember too much about it, but... Yeah, I don't it's know. It's on Netflix. Yeah. Is it on Netflix? Yeah. It is. Yeah, I'll have to rewatch it. So, Jason, I know you've rewatched it recently. Right, Sunday. What else do you have to add? Um, I, I liked a lot of it. Like you were saying, like the the parts that were are definitely on purpose that didn't seem rushed for whatever reason or whatever. Like were cool, and it's like they were really trying to do a good sequel but try to pull it off I liked the movie aspect part of it that was neat that they got to do that um it, I enjoy, it was almost like a drinking game to like is this line gonna be where Edward Furlong's voice cracks is this gonna be the line you know man it was right on the edge the whole time it was like it's like they really were rushing to get it done, so... Hurry before his pubes come in. We've got two more days before it happens. Come on, We've got to do this. Um, you know, I liked... It was very stereotypical, the bully situation and the yeah. fat friend thing. I was, I was shocked that the friend and mom died. Yeah. That was mm-hmm. crazy that that actually happened. But. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, like the, the, the car truck. crash. Yeah. The potatoes. The potatoes. Was, I mean, it was a silly way to die, but it was, it was awesome still that little... the sheriff guy, you know, motorbiked off the dude's face. Yeah, yeah. that was cool. But I can't Just believe that the I can't believe the friend and hot mom died. Hot mom. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was very upset. The mom was really hot. The she kid got... was cool too, you guys. Gosh. Sure. So more about this hot mom. She was hot, to, dude. I think I need to watch this movie now. Get this. She grows a dog head, and he's screwing the woman oh, with the dog Oh, that fucking dream head. sequence. <laughs> what? Okay, oh, so yeah, I want to talk about these dream sequences. I want to talk about oh. these dream sequences here. It's more in particular, this, the, the, um, the last one, I think it was. I'm trying to remember whose dream it was now. Well, okay. The one with the dog head well, on the boobs. So yeah. Up. Well, that yeah. That was Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards. But no, my question is, so Edward Furlong, he's left home with the babysitter because um, Anthony Edwards runs off to go find out that his wife's um, grave had been, her body had been dug up and is missing. Right. Um, and... And so Edward Furlong waits for the babysitter to fall asleep, then sneaks out of the house, and then it, and then it kind of goes, 
was kind of a sort of another dream sequence, it seemed like. There were some weird things that was going on. He ends up going to the burial ground. And it's obviously, obviously, to me anyway, it looked like a completely different location. It looked like a, it looked like it very looked very much like a stage, like a set. Mm-hmm. As if this is supposed to be dreamlike. And then I, there were some other things that was going on in that that was like, rather surreal and and didn't make sense um and and uh the sheriff asshole zombie guy uh points in the direction and says you know you gotta bury your own and you see edward furlong burying the mom or whatever and then and then like uh but was that a dream sequence or did that actually happen did he go and bury his own mother because then he takes a really weird turn in that last bit of the movie where it kind of seems like he's off the edge when his mom's right. around. He's just giving these like weird looks to Anthony Edwards like with this I evil took it grin. As, I took it as it was real. Yeah. Like I thought he actually did that. So then what is the game plan of these freaking evil Indian burial ground spirits zombie guys or whatever? Is it just to build their zombie army? Or does or does um, being buried in the uh, um, the burial ground just turn you evil? Because because it really seems <laughs> like zombie army. Like what movie are we watching? Well, think about it. the The sheriff seems like his whole motivation once he turns evil is just to um, bury more people in the to cemetery. Get more. Yeah, that's true. Which is kind of different from the first one as well. I mean. He kills the bully with the motorbike. He buries him, and he comes back. And then he and digs up the wife, the dead wife. And talks and then, the son into burying her. And Yeah, and instead of killing Edward Furlong when he had every opportunity to, to, to do, he makes, her, he makes him bury his mother. Well... That's well. That's part of the ritual. Remember, like you have to bury your own. So well, it had that. to be a family member. But well, I get that. But why? Why does he give a shit? Why doesn't he just kill him? It's true. Yeah, I don't like. There's some sort of ulterior motive there. I'm part of the zombies. It just yeah. It just seemed a little weird, and I don't know. Maybe out of character of what you know the whole burial ground thing is about, or whatever. I don't know. And then, and then, like I said, when when the mom shows, when the mom does shows but show back up, and that whole ending, until like the shit really hits the fan, that whole that whole ending there really felt kind of um, dreamlike in a well. Um, yeah, it, it was, was weird. Yeah, because then um, Edward Furlong, he's he just seems to kind of like be he's snapped and he's like a almost like a psycho himself, because like he's hugging the mom and looking up at. At uh, Anthony Edwards, and it's got this like devilish grin on his face, and just is like non-responsive to Anthony Edwards, and just kind of seems out of it up until the bully with half of his face ripped off shows up, and they get in, they get into a fight, and then it turns into well, full-on action scene. I mean, I just took it as this kid just lost his mom, and he's pretty fucked in the head from that still, and he just wants her back. Is I mean, well, sure, and then just, I mean the whole ch- chain of events, you know, leading up to to where we're at for sure too. You know, his best friends, his new best friends now dead, and and yeah, yeah. 
That kid's see... been through a lot, so... <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, quite a bit, right? To the point where when they're packing up and they're leaving town, and I'm just thinking to myself, where are they, they going to go? Where are they going to go? Because at this point, tragedy has is, is followed them everywhere they've gone so far. You know? That's very true. <laughs> I like the um, the special effects in the final scene, like um, on the dead mom, like when the house catches on fire and her face, like all of the stuff that off. the mortician yeah. put on her face starts melting off, and you can see all that was pretty awesome looking. I thought that was a that was a really good effect as well because I'm sitting there, I'm like, why does why does everybody that come back look all fucked up, but she looks she looks all pretty and perfect. Yeah. It, yeah, because she was embalmed and yeah. done up all nice. And they and they explain that by like the fire melting your face off, and you're seeing the yeah. burnt, the yeah. burnt scars from being electrocuted and stuff. So I like, yeah, I like that touch too. Absolutely. Good stuff. Another thing I want to point out was the was the freaking soundtrack. There were some kick-ass bands in, on the soundtrack. L7. Yeah. Woohoo! Jesus and Mary, Jesus and Mary Chain. Yeah. Um, uh, Tracy Lords had a song in the movie. And uh, and another Ramon song. Another Ramon song. You can't have a Pet Cemetery movie without a Ramon song. That's why they shouldn't remake it, man. Because you can't get a new Ramon song. Right. No, you, you can't. You just, no. you just can't. Yeah. Unless... Unless that's the theme of the remake, is that they dig up the Ramones and they bury them in the pet cemetery just to come <laughs> back to write a new song for the movie. Oh. Uh, I mean, it could happen. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should write the remake. That's just uh, another quote that I just remembered from that writer who said that uh, he's like, in the first one, a baby just comes back and starts killing everybody, and that's like Chucky. <laughs> Like, what? yeah, I just remembered that. I'm sorry, but continue. Oh, you're gonna make me. I was just getting getting in a happy place again. You had to bring that shit up. <laughs> oh, damn it! A lot of pet cemetery talk. So, to briefly interrupt the pet cemetery two discussion here for a second to um, introduce our la our um, our late arrival to the show. Um, so I'll introduce him. I've been waiting for this all episode. <laughs> <laughs> this next podcaster is a lot like Lassie. He is also a bitch. Justin Beam, everybody. Oh. <laughs> damn. Yeah, I think he I stepped away. Oh, damn it! Gotcha, dang. It was still pretty glorious, even if you didn't hear it. That was good. Well, he's here. He just already left. <laughs> already didn't want to pay attention. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Two seconds too late. Just do it again. Hey. Yeah. Hi. Introduce him again. Oh, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be. <laughs> I, I saved this one for you. This next podcaster... 
is is a lot like Lassie. He is also a bitch. Justin B. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, that's, that's my favorite ever. <laughs> uh, so we're sitting here talking about uh, Pet Cemetery 2. Justin? Yeah? Yeah, I many. Because it's got a killer dog in it. Oh, that's right. I don't remember that movie at all. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Anything else, anything else anybody has to add about Pet Cemetery 2? No. I think we covered pretty much everything. Cool. Again, just to reiterate, I think people should check it out. It might not hold up necessarily, but it's still yeah. good. It's still a it's, fun movie. It's, it's really definitely good. not the first movie, but it's still a fun movie. And, and it's on Netflix, and pretty much everyone has Netflix, so... I can't remember. Do they ever say sometimes dead is better in that movie? No, but what was mom saying at the end that was fucking badass? No, she was saying she. That's what. That's what she was saying. She kept yeah. saying over and over again. She dead did. Is better. Yeah. She did. That's right. That's fucking that's creepy. Right. Just because she was just screaming it. Dead is better. Stay with me. Yeah. Like fuck you, mom. I'm out. <laughs> it's too hot in here. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Burn the house, leave town. <laughs> All right, so that's Pet Cemetery too. Um, what else? Should we, right, well, let's just get into Cujo. Let's just quit fucking around. Let's quit just, fucking let's, around. Let's just get into Cujo already. So Cujo's a killer dog movie. It's kind of the killer dog movie. <laughs> yeah, kinda. Who wants to synapsize this one? You know Terry does. <laughs> Didn't I just? I just. Oh, That's because you're good at it. Um, <laughs> so, skip over most of the beginning part because no one cares. But basically, what? a mother <gasps> and son, their car is a piece of shit and they have to go get it fixed. And the place that they take it to happens to have this dog who has contracted rabies and it wants to eat them so when they pull up to get their car fixed they are trapped by this dog who's trying to get in at them and the family who uh, fixes the cars at that residence they are out of town so there's no one there to find them and they're there for a really long time. The end of my synopsis. Man, you can't skip the whole <laughs> first half of the movie. Oh, because it's, it's important. It has a ton of character. It has a ton of character development. So you actually give a shit about the mom and the son as they're being um, hunted sure. by this dog. But we're gonna talk about that now. <laughs> so D. Wallace plays the mom. Awesome. awesome. D. Wallace is, is, uh, is awesome and everything. And I think, uh, I just want to say that obviously you got you got to admit her performance is amazing in this movie. Because mm. the whole last half of the movie is her trapped in a car with her son with a dog outside. And that is it. So that's a lot of weight to put on an actor. But I also want to call back to the first half of the movie she does a lot of amazing performance she tells a lot of story without speaking a word in the first half of the movie 
Like there's the whole the whole scene, one of the first scenes in the movie where they're sitting around the di- the breakfast table and talking, and the little the handyman with the beard shows up and um, and and she's just giving these looks to him, these like uncomfortable looks to him, and then looks to her husband and stuff like that, and it it instantly spells like okay, you've been fucking this guy, haven't you? And yeah. then sure enough, that's what we learn. So I just want to give kudos not only to her performance in the last half of the movie, which you know, that's Academy Award-winning performance right there. But the first half is equally as impressive, just for the fact that um, she's giving she's giving a, an, a great performance and telling a ton of story without speaking a word. And I, I think that speaks volumes of any of any actor to be able to do that. A little bit of trivia I'm going to insert here: um, the actor that she's cheating with in the movie was her actual husband. In real life, and he's dead. And he's dead yeah. now. Yeah. Real life dead. Real yeah. life dead. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, she is an amazing actress. You know, and I always, for some reason, I guess I'm used to her having longer hair. Maybe I always somehow forget that it's D. Wallace in this movie. Like I always see yeah. her. You know, I think of her as that awesome mom in so many horror movies, but. For some reason, this one always slips my mind as it being her, because it's yeah. just so it's so stand out in comparison to a lot of the roles that she gets. I guess. Well, she's got kind of the same haircut in ET, right? Yeah, I guess so. I think so. that's. I to actually, I, I, thinking back on her filmography here, I think it's would be more awkward for me seeing her in a movie with long hair than it would be short hair. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and popcorn. Her hair short. Um, Never seen it. Oh, God. And see, and because in Frighteners, her hair is long, and it always seemed weird to me seeing her with long hair. Yeah. And it uh, just seems obviously like a wig, and I think it was obviously a wig because it was black hair instead of like her blonde hair. But, <laughs> <clears throat> and I think like Hills Have Eyes, I thought it was, if I remember right, I thought it was short. Howling, it was short and howling. Well, okay, I just um, <laughs> I in your face, Terry. Wallace in this movie for some reason that is apparently all to myself. <laughs> so whatever. And not only not only you get all this character development in the first half, but it sets up a lot of the it, it sets up a lot of the story because. Every time I'm sitting here watching this movie, and you have to sit, you have to sit and watch this movie in the mindset of like what 1982, three or whatever. Three. Yeah, 1983. You know, because obviously no cell phones. You know, um, you know, cars were obviously shittier and broke down a lot easier back then. Whatever. Um, you know, dogs were a lot more super powerful back in those days, and. Uh, but there was a lot of things that got set up that you're sitting there thinking, it's like, okay, well, you know, just wait it out and the mailman will show up. Well, then, then, they, then they fucking tell you how that goes and why that doesn't happen. And it's like, okay, well, you know, where's, where's the farmhand guy? Or where's the, uh, where's the guy who wants to have, well, he got killed by the dog. And, well, where's this wife and kid? Well, they're on vacation at her sister's. And so, and everything gets set up, you know, including like, the husband goes out of town because of because of his job and this ad campaign that went to shit and he's trying to get it figured out and right before he leaves he finds out about his about his wife cheating on him so when he's when he keeps trying to call her that 
is one kind of sort of explains why she never answers the phone because instantly Jell's husband automatically thinks like okay she went back to the to the other guy but then that also gives him motivation to like drop everything and and get his ass back in time to not save his wife and kid because they had to fend for themselves but so you need that first half terry it was a very brief synopsis, okay? I got to the core of it. Right. You, you know, actually, uh, I didn't rewatch this film for this episode, but I, I did rewatch the uh, behind-the-scenes documentary, and it's just really fascinating. They, they talked about how they actually did a test screening, and, you know, the audience was kind of interested in the first half, and then they really got interested in the second half. And then the studio was like, you know what, let's cut out all that beginning crap. The audience doesn't care about that. So then they tested it again, and then the audience wasn't as interested. So they're like, you know what, we really yeah. need that first half. You'd, yeah. It is important. Setup is important, for sure. I saw that same documentary. It was it was a really good one. Um, I, I yeah. found it really fascinating. It made me appreciate the movie and the direction of the movie even more. I mean, they, uh, the director had a had a pretty clear vision, and it was, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I thought, really really interesting and really well executed. I mean, talking about how he always... Because here's the thing. Here's, like, the three rules that you don't want to do as a filmmaker. You don't want to work with children, you don't want to work with animals, and you don't want to shoot scenes in, in a car. And this movie has all fucking three in, in a whole second half of the movie. So Yeah, and it was shot in winter, interestingly. Yeah. It was like... It's that supposed to be summertime, mind. and it was like 40 degrees, and they got this what? glycerin coated on them in caro syrup, and they were trying to, like, cry and be all emotional with this. That is insane. This, they did an amazing job. Pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. That movie feels yeah. hot. That movie, that movie it makes does. you sweat watching it. New yeah. appreciation for yeah. that. Holy crap. I had no idea. I never would have guessed that. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, I think well, they used, like, you know, they put, like, flames in front of the camera lens to get that you know kind of the heat uh, wave effect yeah yeah to get the but, heat uh, wave stuff yeah they you had the heaters in the car and right yeah the director was actually Louis Teague he actually directed one of my favorite movies Alligator and yeah. uh, I guess based on that film Stephen King kind of handpicked him but there was, there was kind of some drama because the studio wanted like this other director and so well, and he had also had done Cat's Eye, too, I think, which was another Stephen King. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. But, uh, I read somewhere that was kind of the deciding factor for him. But yeah, they had this other director attached, and then, you know, the production kind of went to shit, so they brought him on board kind of last minute, so... I'm not sure I'm not sure if, like, some of the, some of the footage was actually shot by the first guy or not, but... Pretty pretty interesting uh, production, not yeah. to get into all of that, but definitely watch the documentary too. Yeah, definitely check out the documentary. I thought it was uh, I was really intrigued by the documentary, and one of the things I really liked is going into detail about about the production um, and some of the special effects aspect, and mm-hmm. and I love. This is what I love about special effects in general. It doesn't matter if it's practical effects or CGI effects. As long as it's executed properly, and for me, a great effect, an amazing effect, is when all departments kind of have to have their hands in on the effect. 
and there's there's one moment in the film that is amazing and 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 they broke it down how they did it shot by shot and it was great and that's when the dog ramps his head into the side of the car he like headbutts the car yeah mm-hmm. into the car door well the way they shot it they shot it they shot the angle of the car to where you couldn't see the doors and it was a white shot and what they had done is they took the car doors off of the car and then they had the real dog go charging full speed and the command for the dog was to jump into the car and out the other side. So so there's no like slowing down or, or sliding to a halt as it gets close to the car door or anything like that. So when they edit, they can cut literally right where the head is supposed to impact the car. And, it, and that dog is still going full speed. Not only that, but it's also, also showing a little bit of lift as if he's like catapulting himself towards the car door and he's actually um, leaping towards inside the car. And then the next shot is a close-up insert shot of the special effect of a guy in a dog in a dog costume headbutting the car door. And so I just I really appreciated you know them showing us how they shot it and broke it down like that. And I thought that was ingenious, taking the car doors off and having the dog leap into the car and all that, to to be able to uh, pull off that pretty neat effect. And again, that's like something the art department had hands in, um, the DP had hands in, the special effects department ha- had hands in, all based on the vision of like making this effect work. Yeah, man. There's like some pretty, you know, creative cinematography in this, and I think they had you know something like five cars to do all that, and like several dogs to pull off all those effects. Yeah. Yeah, several. Like I think they said five or six dogs and. Around five cars or, or something like that, and and the camera. There's a lot of just moving shots with the camera. Um, he's got that camera moving constantly throughout the movie, which is great. Um, I love that moment too. It never really jumped out at mo- out at me watching the movie, but watching in the documentary, I gained a whole cool respect for it because it's just a little tiny moment in the movie that. Um, um, is almost just dismissible, but but he shot it in a way that uh, that you don't really pay that much attention to. But it still it still puts you kind of in the shoes of the kid, and that is the shot when he's trying to turn off the light in his bedroom and run to his bed. Mm. They built two sets. There was one set that was the normal bedroom set that you know with the lights on he's he's like standing there getting ready to turn the light off and then when he switches the light off and it goes to slow motion where he's running towards his bed they built another exact duplicate of the bedroom scene only it was like longer so that the kid is having to run twice as like three mm-hmm. times as long to the bed than than he would have in real life in that set and and it's such an effective it's just such an effective little shot, little scene. It really kind of puts you in the mindset of this little boy and his fears of the dark and the monsters in the closet and all that. Oh, yeah. I love that scene. Like, I mean, who had, I mean, you'd probably be lying if you said you never did that. I'm just going to say that. I mean. I still do that. I never did that. You still do that? You never I did, did that? I did that last night. I'm going to do it when I go to bed tonight. Are you kidding? You were never scared of monsters under your bed, and you went and turned off the light and jumped on your bed? Never? No. What? You're a freak. You're a freak. 
<laughs> no, I'm kidding. But you know, they just they portrayed it so the way they did it was so well done. Like I was like, oh my god, this is exactly what I did when I was a child. Like I feel your pain, kid. I feel your pain. Like basically trying to outrun the light, you know? Because yeah, there's that moment where he almost gets the switch and he starts to run but catches himself and yeah. Yeah, it was so good. Yeah. And what is so effective about those about those scenes is that it puts you it puts you into that character so that when the third act or when the you know when the the second or third act's going on and you're there trapped in the car with him, you have so much more sympathy for that child. At least I do anyway, especially watching it now. Um, you know, as a having a son that's literally right around that same age, you know, it was it was a, it made it more difficult to watch this time around for sure. And I think the best, what's so successful about this movie is how well they handled the prolongs, the prolonged stay in the car. Like, it is just almost unbearable. Like, mm-hmm. I looked up several people, like them talking about, you know, their experience with watching the movie. And there are so many people who say they hate this movie. <laughs> Not because it was poorly done. But because it made them feel so uncomfortable yeah. watching mostly just, you know, that scene in the car is just so prolonged and it makes you feel just hot and disgusting and just terrified for such an extended period of time. Like to even fathom, you know, in a real situation, how long that would have time would have lapsed. Like it's just they did a really good job of, of bringing that to the viewers and making you feel what they were feeling. And there was some, there was a few really good, like suspenseful, terrifying moments. Um, I'm trying to remember, was it, was it a night scene? If I remember right. Um, you, first off, they established that the dog is sitting at the front of the car mm-hmm. and then she slowly gets out of the car and she yeah, starts, yeah, She's, thinking that the dog's gone somewhere else or whatever. And then she leans down to the ground to see to see under the car, and us as the oh. audience knowing that the dog is at the foot of the car. But oh then, my God. You, but then when you see the dog is not there, and then when she stands back up, the camera pans, and that dog is fucking behind her. Holy shit! Yeah, that was awesome. They, that even, was very terrifying. Even seen it several times before. I just recently rewatched it. Like that still catches me off guard. It's just, it's a really well done shot. Like it's, ugh. Like holy shit! <laughs> Don't get bit, bitch. <laughs> and we haven't said it yet, but definitely kudos to you know the little boy too. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah, for sure. Wow, I mean, who th- as he was six years old when he made that movie. Crazy. And he, he was, said he couldn't read. Yeah, he couldn't read. He had to have his lines fed to him phonetically. Aw. Yeah. So, and then to go in some of those dark places of just like screaming and freaking out and. Or the and hyperventilating the, and like the, the seizures. Yeah. 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 I think D. Wallace said that. You know, she has a background in psychology, and I guess, you know, little kids that age can't distinguish fantasy from reality, so he just thought all the shit was totally real. He thought he was, like, really getting attacked by this dog. It's fucked up. So I think that's why the well, performance is so good. 
I was, there were a few times, I mean, I'm sure that she didn't actually strike him, but like, she, I mean, they were very into the performance, and there were several mm-hmm. moments, like, when he was having trouble breathing, that her character was, like, smacking him really hard on the back. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. is she actually hitting him? I really hope not, but it seemed so realistic that I was like, oh my, like, in the back of my mind, I'm like... This poor child. Like, what is she doing to him? <laughs> like, uh, but it, it was very, very convincing for sure. Absolutely. Well, and, and he's he said in his interview too on the documentary that uh, during those seizure scenes, and she's like trying to put her fingers in his mouth, and she's like screaming uh-huh. "ow" because he was actually really biting her fingers. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, fuck it. Then you can smack the kid. It's fine. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Method acting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, dang. Cujo. Cujo. I used to think this when I was younger, and I still kind of think it, that the, that the beginning of the movie kind of feels like it's almost like a like an allegory to vampirism because he gets he gets yeah he gets bit by a bat yeah that's Uh, what i thought the first time like i thought he was going to be like some kind of vampire dog (laughs) well someone make that movie well think about think about that for a minute though too because when go back and watch that beginning scene because there's even a moment when Cujo pulls his head back out of the hole, they cut back to the bats and they're all freaking out at the sunlight. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I love that kind of shit because it almost adds a supernatural element without actually being supernatural. Yeah. So it's, it's good. It's ambiguous, but not... Oh, I love it. Yeah, so I kind of... when I was When I was a kid and I first watched this movie, I kind of thought like... Okay, this is kind of their version of a real life vampire story. Like they're kind of hinting at va- at a vampire theme kind of. Yeah. Crazy. But you know what? It is very rare for bats to actually have rabies, and I know because I researched the shit out of this when I have a when I had a bat in my apartment. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> It's probably not that realistic that he got rabies. Are you so, sure? But it's fine. I thought they were like full of diseases. I'm sure, yeah, but statistically, it's like maybe two percent of the entire bat pop- population has has rabies. So, I'm just I'm just saying. So it was okay. a vampire bat. Maybe. <laughs> it's very possible. That's more possible than a bat having rabies, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think the percentage is higher, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys think this is a fun movie to watch? Would you say Cujo's one that you would... Is, is it one that you go to? And when you... If you do, when do you opt for this film? I do not think this is a fun movie to watch. <laughs> when you have to re-watch it for a podcast that you're going to talk about? <laughs> I think yeah. it's uh, somewhat miserable. I think it puts me in such a, a mindset that I feel exhausted by the time I'm done watching it. Not necessarily in a bad way. Um, just I feel like I'm so physically into the movie. Like it does it so well that I just don't want to watch it for a very long time. Yeah, it's almost like the Passion of the Christ. Like, it's oh, God. very brutal. <laughs> like, 
see why. Cujo really is the passion to Christ of dog movies. <laughs> it is. <laughs> well, it, it's hard. It is hard to watch because I yeah. mean the the guy and that kid are innocent. You know the the man and his only son. So there's a Holy Spirit there somewhere, but they. <laughs> They're, the dude just gets they just fucked over this whole movie and I you part of me was kind of hopes that, that she died but I don't know it's just really well, shitty glad, this is I'm happening glad you, I'm glad you said that because I kind of there's a there's a side of me that was that thought that too especially watching it this last time I'm like man she kind of well yeah. <laughs> I would not be upset if she were to get chewed up by Cujo. The only reason why I she want her to live to keep the boy alive. Yeah. She got bitten and got rabies. Is that not enough for you? Like, no. If she doesn't, <laughs> no. if she doesn't get a evil. vaccine in time, she will die. A very slow and painful death. Not good enough. Just, you know. <laughs> I'm with Jason. Stand proud. Strong, brother. No, Justin, um, it's not fun to watch. Well, let's give let's give a quick shout out to the poor fucking cop that gets mutilated. Like he's just doing his job, man. He's just doing his job. He uh, didn't ask for this. ACAB. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out what that means. ACAB. All cops are bastards. Uh, uh, that a he was thing, just going out there to check on, you know, check on the woman, and guess what? Surprise dog attack. So we're all, <laughs> so we're all in agreement that yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, it's a really good movie, but definitely not a repeat view movie. It's not an overly fun movie. Yeah, seldomly, not like once a year, maybe like once every five years or something. You're not going to watch it on Christmas with the family. No. <laughs> it's more fun than spending time with the family. <laughs> Maybe. You do have a point. I <laughs> I don't want to hang out with the in-laws. No. My wife's going to kill me for saying that. <laughs> God damn it, I forget I'm on a podcast. <laughs> Thank God my wife doesn't listen. What? That she offends, doesn't that listen. offends oh, Mike. She can hear me talk about it upstairs. She doesn't need to listen to it again. <laughs> well, what about you, Justin? Is it one that uh, you don't seem to want to revisit? Why do you keep talking to him when he's not there? Oh, yeah. God dang it. I'm pretty sure he stepped away, Mike. Pay attention. Son of a bitch. Well, the first time, we weren't warned. <laughs> oh, he's yeah. back. There, now he's back. Oh. I, don't, I, don't give, I don't care now. Oh, God. What, again? Did it yes, happen again? again. <laughs> no. Mike would just pay attention. Uh, I'm juggling too much stuff. I'm so sorry. That's okay. No, it makes for um, makes for a good entertaining um, sh- uh, Mike shenanigans. So. And off to the douchebag. Uh, so, he's gone. <laughs> so, Terry, I have to ask you now. That, uh, <laughs> he's back. Oh, ask yeah. him. <laughs> so Justin, you asked us uh, if this is one um, that we find difficult to watch. What about you? I do. I th- it's a thoroughly unpleasant film, and I think that I remember when I was a kid, and my brother and I rented it on one of those Friday night movie night kind of things. Mm-hmm. 
so we're all primed for a cool night of horror movies and fun whatever and popcorn and too much soda and all that and then we put Cujo in and it was the first movie we watched and we were home alone my parents were out doing something and it ruined the night it absolutely <laughs> oh, no. yeah it's the equivalent I don't know I'm gonna get it. but anyway it, it's it really just crashed the party it's such a it's amazing to hear that it was shot in winter because I always associate oh, this yeah. film with the sweatiest, smelliest, yeah. filthiest. It, it's like uh, some, I would put it in the same like if I had to sort my movies by feeling, I would put it next to like Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> yeah. and Deranged mm, is yeah. where this oh, one would go. Yeah. Be because it just feels grimy and horrible and seeing the kid and peeing in the car and all this stuff, it's, and then the dog is... Um, face, yeah. He's oh, yeah. Gross. I mean, I don't know. And to have one thing I remember f from being a kid, I've only probably seen this movie three times, and the first was when I was little, and maybe several times as an adult, was the way that this whole scene with Cujo getting bit is, is, is played out. It's done so with that music over the top of it. Mm. It's that real sort of serene. Am, am I remembering this correctly? That it's that real serene music? Yeah, and he's yeah. kind of running in slow motion. Then he comes in, he gets bit. It's just such a weird ju juxtaposition of emotion. Seeing something, you know, this dog's been attacked, but we're hearing this soft, beautiful music. And I remember that, remembering that very uh, distinctly as a kid as a moment of, like, distrust with film. Because they're setting you up for a cute dog running. Hey, maybe it's like Milo and Otis. I like Milo and Otis. And then, <laughs> gets bit, and then we're off to the races. And then from there on out, it's... Christine on legs. It's whatever, you know, it's jaws in, in fur, and it's so unrelenting, and that pinto is so small, and <laughs> everything, and it gets so dirty. <laughs> I just don't know that I, it's one of those I never need to see again. I don't, I don't even think I own it. I want to talk about Well the... made, but. Yeah, yeah it's, there's well some made. wonderfully cinematic shots. You know, it screams of being made on film. It just has that warm... It's just some great shots. Yeah, I mean, there's some cool stuff, but yeah. That's... Um, not again. Yeah. Not for a while. So, hey, now that we've talked about both Man's Best Friend and Cujo, who do you think would win in a fight? <laughs> Max or uh, Cujo here? Max. 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 Scientifically enhanced. Acid P. That would do it. Acid acid pee beats ramming head any day. <laughs> and Max is not opposed to dog rape, so I just think he's more vicious. I think Max would probably go to school oh, wow. on, uh, on Cujo there. What if Max and Cujo had babies? That'd be... Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Acid-pissing acid rabies babies. Yeah. I bet Max uh, has both... Band name. Max probably has both a penis and a vagina. <laughs> <laughs> he he may very well have both hermaphrodite dog I could see it the ultimate weapon <laughs> sorry uh, sounds like a German fetish I don't know <laughs> oh my anyway oh shit got awkward again man we're good at that <laughs> <laughs> the last thing I, I have about Cujo, and then we can move on, is I hate the ending. You hate it? I hate it. 
Why? Just the way it ended. Just to end on a freeze frame. Oh, yeah. I'm mm. standing on the porch. I'm like... That was terrible. That, that sucked. And they even they even commented that in the documentary and about how, like, well, you know, the movie's about these people being attacked by the dog and, you know, the dog is dead and they survived, so the movie's over. So we just decided to end it on a freeze frame. I'm like, no, there's... <laughs> you it's not... You told me for an hour and a half that there's way more going on in this movie than just these people being attacked by a dog. I want to know, are these people going to get divorced? Or is she, does she have rabies now? Is the son actually alive? Is he going to make it? Is he brain damaged? Is he going to be mentally damaged? You know? Yeah. You just don't end it on a freeze frame. She's, like, dropping him into his <laughs> arms. We don't even see if he hits the floor. That's where they end the freeze frame on. Yeah, it's not but, a good time for a Breakfast Club moment, is what you're saying. Like, not appropriate. <laughs> but maybe they were setting it up for a sequel, and we'll oh. get Cujo too about how they get a divorce, and that'll be exciting. That sounds awesome. <laughs> so just no, as depressing as the first one. would be a good one. sequel is if she actually did contract rabies, and then she started attacking people like a dog, like ramming her head into cars. I'd watch it. <laughs> Drooling egg whites. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is that what they actually use? Because that's what I was thinking when I was watching it. Is that what yeah, the... Okay. Awesome. It looked like eggs. It made Did me it? hungry. Mm. <laughs> okay. So that's Cujo. I'm pretty sure we're going to hear more about Cujo later. Spoilers! Uh. Um... What other killer dog movies? What else we got? I watched uh, The Breed last night. Me too. Oh, oh good. You guys can talk about it because I did not. <laughs> I watched it too. The Breed, yeah. 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 Anyone go, else? Go for it, Jason. Nope. I just, I think, <laughs> I, <laughs> I started it like 17 times because I watched the beginning of the boat scene. <laughs> Like over and over again, and I was kind of waiting for Mike to get home because I wanted him to see it, because it was like straight out a fucking uh, zombie doom, where, well, it wasn't, but it it was it overdubbed so bad for like a big Hollywood movie. Yeah. Like the the ADR was so horrible, and uh, it just made me think of Zombie Doom, and I know how much you love Zombie Doom. But then, like, the movie... Uh, I, do all movies have to do this? What this movie did? Or or maybe, like, the group of friends going to hang out for the weekend. I'm like, yeah. have I yeah. not seen that 1,000 times? And could this it's be almost, exactly the same as every yeah, single one? Yeah, it's almost a cabin in the woods sort of a scenario. It is so stereotypical. I mean, yeah. every single bit of it. Very awful. cookie cutter. So much. Like, uh, the dialogue was so from a screenwriting book of how to do this kind of film. I mean, it was just yeah. the smart friend and the black friend and the slutty friend, and it was just so bad. Yeah, it was. It was pretty predictable for the most part. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it, and it was cut was it cut kind of weird like they just jumped around forever before the dogs really showed up. Yeah. Like their well, party scene was just the whole first half hour of the film 
just yeah this party scene now this party scene now we're at this party yeah scene, well they're supposed like, to be what? college kids so i think they were kind of trying to set that up but yeah. do you want to give a general no i don't plot no you can because you're good at it oh my god again yeah what about sam sam watched it sam okay sam it's it. all right all right <laughs> It's about these fucking group of college friends. They go to this island, which I guess one of the dudes, uh, like, it's in their family, this island. And there's, like, this cabin. And uh, he's studying to be a vet, you know, so he's got this background in veterinarianism. And uh, it turns out the island is inhabited by these rabid dogs who I guess are, like, they're like genetically modified they've been doing like these experiments so the fucking place is littered with dogs and they're crazy they're crazy they're psycho and they get attacked and that's basically the movie and it's about them just trying to survive in very cliched ways so cliched. Yeah. it's it's pretty cliche but i didn't completely hate the movie like no you know i mean it kept my interest yeah. for the most part um yeah. I do kind of like, like, go ahead. I was just going to say, I liked that the dogs were actually, you know, they just looked like regular wild dogs. You know, they weren't made up to look weird or they weren't some weird CGI creature. They were just just different sorts of, yeah, they were just different sorts of normal looking dogs, which I think kind of added Uh to what made it a little bit more realistic for me because that's, you know, wild dogs is a, it's a real thing. People are so used to domesticated dogs. Um, cuddly, friendly, awesome pets. Yeah, and those little whatever. fuckers are mean as shit. They, yeah. They acted their fur off. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, I did like, uh, you know, for example, there's like, you know, a couple scenes where they're like, jumping from cabin to cabin uh-huh. like mm-hmm. they've got this zip line and they're trying to you know stay yeah. off the ground to avoid the dogs it's very tremors like that's what it reminded me of uh-huh. yeah like, that's exactly what i was like that was the scene that came to mind as well because um it's michelle rodriguez yeah uh, who's done I don't, she was in something Lots fast and things. furious movies and other yeah, things so. but anyway she is ziplining basically between buildings and trying to get there's this old um this old car they have in a shed and they're trying to get over to it without getting on the ground very tremors like for sure they're just trying to avoid the dogs but the dogs are fucking they are determined they will do anything they are Mm. insane Uh, no acid piss but they're pretty psycho no acid piss that's that's true little bit more down to earth crazy dogs but <laughs> yeah. yeah one of one of my favorite parts in this though is uh so apparently one of these guys in this movie is like some fucking amateur archer and uh <laughs> the dogs <laughs> the dogs are attacking everyone and one of them he's got michelle rodriguez by the leg and this guy he like draws his bow and they do like this crazy 360 shot and you think it's, yes, it's like this, awesome. this badass action moment and he you know flings the arrow and it's going in slow-mo and you think it's going to hit the dog you think it's going to be like this cool moment and then it just fucking you know slices Michelle right in the leg <laughs> yeah pretty intense Hilarious. I, gotta, I was like 
That was like the one moment where I didn't see it coming, and it yeah. was pretty good. I kind of did. But then she bit. limps through like, half of like, the movie. Or yeah. maybe I didn't see it. Like I was, I was just really hoping that was what was gonna happen. <laughs> like I'm like, oh my god, he's gonna shoot her. He's gonna shoot her the whole time. Although I kind of thought it was gonna be a kill shot. It was kind of hilarious that he just clipped her in the leg like an idiot. Because really, and it's it's mm. weird because IMDb actually lists this as a comedy horror thriller. What? I didn't really get much comedy other than maybe that scene like i thought that was hilarious Ooh. but when she got shot in the leg you thought it was funny yeah a little what <laughs> i mean the tone of the movie no. wasn't set as comedy but i personally thought it was hilarious but it's like i he mean does kinda, yeah. Her, but yeah he does redeem himself though like later in the movie she's yeah. like ziplining and he like shoots this dog midair that was pretty cool yeah. Yeah. Other than that, pretty pretty uh, forgettable. Yeah. yeah. They like eventually escape on this uh, uh, plane thing on the water. One of those water planes, whatever the fuck. <laughs> they get away. Or no, it's a boat, isn't it? Okay. It's a boat. Yeah. Uh, also has. I mean, if you. Uh, I know Orange Is the New Black is a really popular show right now, and. Uh, Taryn Manning is one of the main stars of this movie, and she plays, uh, is it Pensatucky, I think is her name? Is she the blonde chick? Blonde chair? virgin girl. Yeah, the blonde on this movie. She's one of the main characters. Yeah, she was really cool. Yeah, yeah. she's, I thought her, um, her character just had a weird story in general. Like, I didn't, she gets bitten earlier on, and I didn't understand. Mm-hmm what exactly was going on with her. Because yeah, they didn't explain it very well. They really didn't. Um, I think it was just a storyline they were trying, and it just didn't work. Yeah, I kind of... Like, initially I thought that it was going to be, you know, she's sort of becoming one of the pack, is kind of what I thought. Like, uh -huh. I thought she was going to turn against her friends. Uh -huh. But in the end, what it came to is, spoiler alert, she... And she just kind of gives up and she like sacrifices herself to save her friends and like gets killed on a spike i don't know it was it it wasn't very well played out or thought out no the whole scene was terrible yeah it you know like why does she have to stay back oh because they want to kill her this way like that yeah. was the dumb thing there were lots <laughs> of things i didn't like yeah. Just that whole going to the shed, start the car, didn't start. That was 15 minutes wasted. Yeah. Action scene for nothing. I. Uh, they're all friends from childhood, so when their friend dies, they. Nobody cries at all. Nobody's upset. They just, oh, it's, we gotta go over like, here now. Let's get drunk. Everything's over here. Yeah. <laughs> And then, like, whatever. one, why would the cabin still be in, like, good shape? Because those dogs trashed it in two seconds. Right? You know, like, if they if they had this island to themselves, why would... Well, uh, they weren't trying to get at people. Though. But then the other, the main thing is, like, why the fuck weren't they in the attic the first time they went back in the house instead of, like, just getting drunk on the main floor again? Yeah. When people, uh, it was so stupid. Just every decision they made was dumb and just t 
to get them to the next stupid thing. Yeah. Uh, it, do, mean, it doesn't mean that I, I didn't... I watched it, and it was like... It wasn't I mean, it was terrible, right. but... Uh, yeah. And the story of the dogs and stuff seemed okay yeah. and fine, and that played out. It's just, just every not, decision they made was so dumb. And, not super memorable, I think. No. Um, I thought the dogs did a good job. Absolutely. <laughs> um, they were you know, better actors than... Exactly. They were better actors than the humans. That's um, true. They had really good pack mentality, and they they were fairly terrifying in parts. So, I mean, that's a f- decently redeeming quality of the movie. But other than that, I do not recommend. So ultimately, it's disheartening that Wes Craven put his name on that. Yeah, a little bit. Because it wasn't good. Did he, like, produce it or something? Yeah. yeah. It was listed as a Wes Craven production. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it, personally. No. No. I wasn't a huge fan. Hey, did it. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, bummed I didn't watch it. You should be. <laughs> if anything, the, the part I love about it the most... Is that it's helping me distinguish one more film in the 17 breeder, breeders, breed, breed, brood, breeders, brood. There's 17 of those, and I I know one more of them now. That's the best part of watching it. Yeah. Because when I saw it on the list, I'm like, well, which fucking one? There's 17 of them. And I had to look. Well, it's not breeders, that's for sure. Woo! Let's talk about breeders. (laughs) No. Uh, not yes. relevant. Not yes. relevant. <laughs> uh, next uh, commentary. I think. <laughs> oh, oh, oh yes. Let's yeah. do a commentary. I think this yeah. needs to happen. Not a single person will be able to watch it with us <laughs> or with you guys because nobody owns it. But <laughs> I own it. That's good true. Idea to, right. I hope, yeah, that would be easy. But I mean, it's not that common a movie. I don't think. Awesome idea for a commentary. Though. That would be absolutely perfect. Oh, we were guys. having a good time with it that day. Hell yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> Sperm. Sperm bath. Sperm bath. <laughs> anyway. Pool of gooey goodness. <laughs> I know another another dog killer dog movie that I watched. I don't know if anybody else had a chance to watch um, the pack from 1977. I was gonna watch it, and then I saw that um, that fat guy was in it, so I decided not to. Jonah Baker. Yes, <laughs> that fat guy. That fat narrowed guy. it down that fast. <laughs> Yep. Well, there I just was think one. of the MST3K. Like, see, I'm thinking Mitchell. that guy, that fat guy, episode 70s. is so good. Yeah. Well, Mitchell was the last um, Joel episode, too. Oh, so good. That episode is stellar. Uh-huh. Yep. Mitchell! Yeah. <laughs> so as soon as I saw Joe Don was in it, I'm like, nope, not doing it. I have better things to do with my time. Come on, walk it on. Sandwich now? That's... Yeah. Well, it doesn't get much better after Joe Don Baker either. Um, the residents of a vacation town um, find themselves terrorized by a pack of dogs, and so it's it's basically it's like let me think here it's like um, Children of the Damned, but with dogs. Just like it's just everything's normal, and just all of a sudden the dogs just in unison go crazy. 
And so it's one of those. So it's like maximum wild. overdrive, but with dogs. Yeah. And you know, I was talking about before on how I felt the the dog that played Max in Man's Best Friend did a good job because his tail didn't wag, and I watched for that with Vicious Dogs. These tails are a wagging through this whole freaking movie on every single dog. <laughs> oh yeah, and not and not since Ang Lee's The Hulk has there been poodles as terrifying. Oh. Um, <clears throat> like every breed of dog is in this. So like, there's little yappy dogs that are like supposed to be vicious and evil, and it's like it's not it's not terrifying. It's not terrifying at all. It's 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 an enjoyable whimsical romp. It's funny to watch. Um, it's it's definitely would definitely make for like a good um, double feature with breeders that's for sure but uh, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> yeah there's really not much else to say about it you know the plot's pretty thin just people trying to figure out why these dogs are killing everybody and getting everybody to safety and all this that and the other thing and then in the third act the the heroes with shotguns go out in the streets and just start shooting up dogs and it's really disturbing. <laughs> Um, you know, it's it's not the highest of budgets, so you're not seeing like impacts, but you're seeing aftermaths and stuff like that. And you know, it's like, okay, these dogs are attacking you, but their tails are wagging. They're happy. Why are you shooting them? Oh. <laughs> so. Puppy must die. So, I almost oh. watched. Um, there was a more recent version. Well, there was a, a movie called The Pack that was more recently shot, and I almost watched that, and then I realized this is not oh. at all about dogs, so I'm really <laughs> glad that I didn't watch that. Uh, the, the Pack was directed by Robert Klaus, who um, <clears throat> who is known for for making a lot of like martial arts films. Like he Most famously, he uh, directed um, Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee, um, Game of Death with Bruce Lee, um, uh, Battle Creek Brawl with Jackie Chan. <clears throat> he's probably well, in the uh, in the world of bad movie cinema. He's most famously known for being the director of Jim Cotta. Um, he directed the two China O'Brien movies. So he, he's done a lot of like martial art type films, <clears throat> and then just this weird movie called The Pack. Also, fun fact about. Um, about the directors that he was he was born in Iowa. There you go. Yay. He's born in Denison, mm-hmm. Iowa. Where the fuck is that? <laughs> exactly. So that's all I have to say about I'm actually trying that. to think where the hell is that? Eh. I don't care. <laughs> Any others? Any other dog movies? Monster Dog. Oh, oh! God, I haven't seen that in ages. So love it. That's the one, Alice Cooper, right? Alice Cooper, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, it, I've seen it once, and that was a few years ago. So he had just gotten sober, and he wanted, and he had been out of, he'd like been invisible, doing nothing for a couple, for quite a while, and he decided to come back that he wanted to make a movie and prove to himself that he could work under tight conditions as a sober, because he as a performer, he was always really reliant historically, I guess, on drinking, and this was his way to test himself while also getting involved in the cinema. And he just loves bad movies and stuff, and so he wanted to do it. And I think it's awesome. And it has th- several really weird songs by him in it. 
with music videos that were shot along with the movie that are part of the movie. And it's a really surreal experience. Very, very strange. It has a cool score and it has a very European, cold, very blue vibe about the whole thing. It's a neat movie. I like it a well, lot. It's an, it's an Italian production and it's directed by What's-His-Face who did Troll 2. Troll 2. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh I didn't know that. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, but those song, It's just it. It yeah. It's such a weird thing because it seems. It seems on the level of like I'm gonna give it more credit than Troll Two on the level of like, you know, like a Fulci film or, um, a Bruno Mattei film or you know, all these other Italian filmmakers. You know, the budget's not all there. You know, but you have this—you have this icon, Alice Cooper, and he did original songs for this movie too. That just—that—that's the thing that was fascinating about this movie is just like, just it's wasn't not schools like, out. It's yeah. No, but I, I but I love those songs that are in this in that movie. That one he did no, a music I, video for the Jack the Ripper, whatever, and Billy the Kid. I love what that I'm saying song. is that they could have brought Alice Cooper in, and they could have put known Alice Cooper songs in it, oh, and they yeah. could have tried to use those as some kind of a hook. But instead, he was just vested in the movie, and I think it's great that he did all that he did for it. And he's not, and he plays it straight. Everyone plays it straight, and it's thir- it's completely dubbed front to back, of course. Oh, yeah. Yep. And so all the voices are way off, and he's th- and you know I remember I when I did that uh, interview thing with him. He talked about hearing himself for the first time, and he has it's some big macho, like deep voice, like, let's go outside and see what that sound is, kind of a thing. He's like, it's so opposite of me and what I'm about, what I sound like. Or he was, that was so great. Oh, man, I love it. I really love it. But again, yeah, you, you said that he put like a lot of, I mean, he obviously cared about this project, you know, but it, it's such a, it's such a cheese fest. It's, it's very, Low budget Italian, yeah. 80s horror. It's it, it just always seemed weird to me. This wasn't just like a you know a paycheck to him or anything like that. You, you get the really impression that he cared about this project, but still, what's on the screen comes off as like, you know, grade A cheese. Well, it not a lot really happens. I mean, it has that, moments. Well, that's of true course. too. I yeah. think it really relies heavily on. It's it's so not troll too. It's not cheesy in that regard at all. If no, you're talking no. about cheese in it, maybe it's because of the music video segments and maybe some of the dialogue. Of course, is very Italian, sort of. We know what Americans talk like, kind of thing. Yeah. But I don't I, I don't think of it as a particularly cheesy movie or like over the top or anything. It's a pretty subtle, atmospheric film that is. Um, I don't know. I think it's very different for Fograsso. I think it's it's a different kind of movie for him. It where there's no subtlety at all in Troll Two, but he was earnest with what he was doing, and I think he's earnest here, but he's playing it straight with subtlety. So that's what part of why I think it actually works as a movie. And I don't know. I like everybody in it. I it's pretty cool. The monster of the creatures cool. The dog, um, the dogs. In the film, there are other dogs too. It's good though. Often overlooked, not discussed very much. I think it's a neat, it's a neat addition to his story, and also to monster dog cinema. 
I'll tell you what, though. Honestly, the first time I rented it, I was I was disappointed because of the creature effects in the in the film. Because I wanted to see that weird Giger-esque metallic dog that was on the box. Like it was like one of the morphing one of the morphing head of his, of Alice Cooper's head morphing into one of these dogs. Oh. Like the, and the end dog was like this. It almost had like a robotic look to it. Yeah, let me see. I wonder if that's the VHS. I haven't. Yeah, it's it was the old clamshell VHS. Box. Okay. Yeah. Oh, at the top of it. Yeah, I'm I'm, lo- I'm looking at it right now. Yep. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah, it was like I said. It was the first time I when I I'm talking about when the first time I ever saw it. So we're talking mm. when when it first came out. Big clamshell. Nineteen eighties. So, oh, this monster's gonna be cool. Yeah, monster dog. Woo! Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any other um? Any other killer dog movies? That's all I've seen. Well, parts well, me... of the thing. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I was that was going to be kind of was going to lead into. Let's talk about this real quick uh, from everybody. What it would be doesn't have to be a killer dog movie, but what is probably the the scariest dog in cinema? Mm-hmm. The dog from the I thing. think the thing. I think that the thing is the yeah. one because that dog, and it's not just what <laughs> happens to the dog; it's also how it's presented. Because how it, how that dog is shot walking around through the hallways, looking adorable. <laughs> yeah, looking adorable, but also. It, after a point, you think something's up, mm-hmm. and then when it disappears, and they see the see it in that the kennel, and everything starts happening to it. That is an incredible scene on so many fronts, and I think that no dog has become more of a terrifying creature than that one. Yep, absolutely. That was going to be my my guess. So we all. In- Unison just to say the dog from the thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty creepy. It's pretty good. Pretty the weird. <laughs> Beyond Suspiria dogs scenes are pretty good too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, the Beyond. Doesn't like a dog rope through it, uh, ripping your throat out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got the zombie dogs in the Resident Evil movies. Can't forget those. Or the uh, the terror dogs in Ghostbusters. Oh yeah. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Um. All right. What about good dogs? There aren't all killer dogs. Let's don't give dogs a bad rap, man. Well, like what? What's a good dog in a horror movie? Like Lost Boys, Nanook. Totally saves the day. Totally saves the day. Knocks that vamp into the bath of garlic water. Yeah. Like a badass. If I had to pick, my favorite mm-hmm. hero hero dogs would have to be the ones in the original Hills Have Eyes. Yeah, yeah. Those are, yeah, you root for those dogs in that movie because, like, of all the horrible things that go on, and the dogs, the dogs kind of get get the best revenge. 
for the for the family. You just root for those dogs. You want the dogs to kick ass. Mm-hmm. You know what I think is interesting is that well, it's not that interesting, but just an observation. <laughs> um, killer dogs are always very large in size. Mm-hmm. Someone, wink, wink, Mike, should make a killer <laughs> dog movie that involves a, a dog yip, yip miniature. Dog. Yes, please, <laughs> it would be awesome. How would that be scary? Right. We'll make a horror comedy. Oh, because okay. that's you know? what Mike makes. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like Chihuahua. Chihuahuas are fucking vicious. I'm just gonna throw that out there. They're, <laughs> They're adorable. Yeah, but they are assholes. It could be an internet famous dog that secretly has a uh, penchant for killing people, oh. or just to remain yes. number one. I, I think the uh, Taco, <laughs> I think the Taco Bell dog is probably killed a million people or so. <laughs> <laughs> or just think of the most adorable, do- like a corgi. Corgis are the most adorable dogs. You just want to play with cute dogs all day, Terry. I really do. But. (laughs) But, I mean, seriously, that would be amazing. A killer corgi movie? Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay, I've got it. We're going to make American Psycho. Now, follow me on this, okay? We're going to make American Psycho 3. Oh god. Now, listen. (laughs) <laughs> we're gonna go. We're gonna go back in time a little bit further, more more mid eighties. Okay. And only this time it's Spuds McKenzie. <laughs> At the height of his career, he's all cocky and like, oh, Doing I got coke, all the money and you know, I got yeah. all, my, all the money and the bitches in the world, and I got coke doggy bones and la la la. But I kill people too. <laughs> it raincoats with an axe. Yeah, we need to make that happen. Spuds oh, McKenzie. God. I thought Spuds McKenzie was actually a female dog. I might be thinking of another dog, though. But, you know, Doesn't another matter. twist. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Transvestite dog. <laughs> it's like the end oh. of Sleepaway Camp with the dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got Spuds McKenzie standing on two legs, holding a guy's head, and a knife in the other paw. And there's oh, there. this has to happen. <laughs> oh, and then you have to have like a Bob Barker look-alike who steps in, <laughs> like spay or neuter. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it was that or Silence of the Lambs, and he does the tuck. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. Both have to happen. Would you pet me. I'd pet me. <laughs> oh my god. Jeez. <laughs> 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 Oh my god! This this no. is a thing that's happening now, right? This, yeah, some a... of us steal this if we do not do this shit. Can we can we verbally copyright? Like, I'll shoot we... this in my. There's a Kickstarter man, already, man, Terry. Man. It's okay. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh jeez! Terrible! Terrible! <laughs> oh, perfect. Uh, all right. <laughs> Now <laughs> that we've completely gone off the rails. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alright. Um Maybe we should start wrapping it up, you think? Maybe? Yeah. Hey, Anybody? I, well, yes. I was, I was gonna say I got I got one more I watched. I'll just oh. uh I bet no one watched it, so I'll just talk about it briefly, but uh White God, has anyone seen that? 
just came out came out in the last year it's called yeah i saw something about it i looked it up yeah white god it's this hungarian film and it's uh not like straight up horror i think it's maybe what you would call a cinema fantastic or film fantastic but uh it's got a lot of it's pretty bloody pretty gory but it's basically just to sum it up it's about like this girl she takes in this dog but it's uh like this mixed breed and there's like some kind of tax on this dog breed so they have to like kick it out and uh basically the whole movie follows this dog and it's about him trying to survive on the streets and get back to his owner and uh it's just really good but he like kind of come you know it's pretty epic he like runs across a butcher and there's like these dog catchers after him and then he gets uh kidnapped by this bomb and sold into the sold into slavery and <laughs> it's pretty epic but it all takes place in like fucking hungary and uh i don't know man i'd really recommend it but it's kind of like a cross between like Animal Farm and Twenty Eight Days Later, and Gladiator <laughs> and Hostel. And it, <laughs> Holy it, fuck! It, it mixes it like it mixes a lot of genres. Like I said, it's kind of a film fantastique, but pretty uh pretty bloody, pretty epic, and you know pretty impressive. Just all the dogs they have and the kind of performances they're able to draw out of it, but uh. Anyway, I just thought I'd mention it because it's pretty uh, recent and topical. But where have you? Where have you? Where did you find this movie? Uh, I pirated it. So. Oh. <laughs> but uh. Leap yeah. Jason, we don't want Sam getting arrested. Right. Nah, they're not gonna <laughs> find out. <laughs> <laughs> they're Hungarians. They don't care. <laughs> um. <laughs> but no. Um. Anyway, that's about it. But yeah, like the dog's name is Max, so I don't know if that's like a reference to man's best friend or what. <laughs> we hope so. That it is, yes. Hopefully. Like he does, they do some pretty vicious stuff in this. Like there's a scene where this dude gets his fucking throat ripped out. And uh, I don't know. It's good. Check it out if you can. I think it's coming to Netflix soon, so. Oh, Okay. Maybe nice. by the time this comes out, it'll be on Netflix. But White God, check it out. White God, I'll definitely, I definitely will check that out. Yeah, sounds interesting. You've combined a lot of movies that have no relation to each other, but this <laughs> movies like those. Yeah, it's pretty insane. <laughs> okay, can I talk about one thing before we wrap it up? It's yeah, not even totally. a movie. But since we talked about Resident Evil. Uh-huh. I'm assuming a few of you have played the played the first Resident Evil game. Uh-huh. I got to talk about that one of the first rooms you go into where you walk down the hallway and the dogs jump through the window. Yeah. That I mean that is very iconic for for me as a video game player as a horror fan. Like just walking through there for the very first time they jump through and then they uh kind of messed with you in the remake where they just mm-hmm. you walk by and they just hit the window nothing breaks through they were fucking with you but like yeah. that scene just it's the only time in a video game that i've actually jumped 
<laughs> and I, I've been playing for video games for almost my entire life, and I've been madly in love with horror movies forever. But like that made me jump out of my seat. I was like, "What the fuck?" And then I, you know, had to run, but probably got killed the first time because I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Like, was it two dogs that jumped through or whatever? I don't remember. I, I'm trying to remember how. I think it was. I think it was maybe two. But I mean, as far as you know, iconic video game scenes go. I mean, to me, that's definitely up there. It's very, very memorable. I mean, that was almost twenty years ago, and it still sticks out in my head. Those little fucking bastard zombie dogs. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember those things. In the games, too, yeah. Yeah, I had to throw that part out there, because it's just uh, amazing. Heck yeah. Cool, anything else? Anybody? Anybody? No. Alright, I think we're all dog-tired, uh-huh. so we're gonna take a break. <laughs> You've been waiting. We're gonna, wait, we're gonna take... Okay, hold on. It's... We're gonna take a pause, uh, and when we come back... Uh... Boom, boom. <laughs> We'll do some segments. All right, we'll be right back. Good evening. It's intermission time. Our service is friendly and quick. You'll find hot dogs, hamburgers, pizza, your favorite candies, hot and cold beverages, and other delicious snacks. So add to your fun of watching the movie. Visit our refreshment stand right now. We're glad to have you with us tonight. We hope you'll come to see us often. It's great to get out to the movies. Do you find your life lacking meaning and purpose? Do you get up every morning and say, there's gotta be a better way? Are you a horror film fan and don't understand why your friends and family hasn't seen Necromantic? Do you know people who say that they love Jason from the Nightmare on Elm Street movies? Are you bored with your current podcast? Do you find yourself answering these questions out loud and getting weird looks from other people in your office? Well, now you never have to worry about those nasty stains again. Now you have meaning to your boring, miserable life because now you can listen to... Attack of the Killer Podcast. That's right, Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attack of the Killer Podcast has all the vitamins and minerals for a well-balanced breakfast. On Attack of the Killer Podcast, you can marvel at the crew as they discuss various horror films, such as High Tension and High high Tension. Listen with your ear holes as the attackers pick a topic and then derail from that topic for at least an hour every episode. Be extremely disturbed as you learn the true love Insane Mike has for his Jason Goes to Hell DVD. But wait, there's more. The gang at Attack of the Killer Podcast give you their guarantee that every episode will contain at least two hours of in-depth horror discussion. Or at least until they get bored, which usually happens after about the first 30 minutes. Listen to what this satisfied customer has to say about Attack of the Killer Podcast. Who the hell are you? What are you doing in my bathroom? So don't wait. Follow the rest of the mindless sheep and listen to Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attack of the Killer Podcast can be heard at attackofthekillerpodcast.com or at stitcher.com. You can also follow Attack of the Killer Podcast on Facebook at Attack of the Killer Podcast or on Twitter at AOTKP. So act now. Offers limited. Operators are standing by. Blah, 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 blah. And we're back. And it's segments time. You're on Attack of the Killer podcast. And as always, we're going to start with my favorite segment because it it um, 
fills my ego. That's right, it's shoutouts time. It's time for shoutouts! All right, so I asked, what are your favorite Killer Dog movies, moments, and horror films? And on Facebook, um, Derek Johns says, The Breed, Cujo, Monster Dog. So Derek's cool, because he said Monster Dog. Monster Dog! <laughs> uh, Lisa Norvell Owen says, Cujo, of course, and this dog wasn't necessarily a killer, but that dog with a man face on Invasion of the Body Snatchers, 1978, terrified me when I was younger. Oh, yeah. Nice. Forgot about that. Yeah. That's creepy. And your kid that will fuck you up. <laughs> and then uh, Jack Christensen said, The blind man attacked by a seeing-eye dog in Suspiria and the blatant copycat scene in Full Cheese the Beyond. Copycat. Which one came first? Oh, yeah. Uh, Suspiria. And then Lily Leisha Arzit says, The Angel Eyes. Never heard of that. Yeah. Anybody? Um, I have to check that out. Mike Franklin says, The Thing. And Cujo definitely spring to mind. Nicole Ware says, The Grey. I know it's Wolves and it might not be considered a horror film, but it's a good one and most... If not, all the men die because of those wolves. And man's best friend. <laughs> uh, Rude Dog Ruly says, uh, The Lost Boys, when Nanook pushes the one vamp into the holy water bath. Go Nanook. Nanook! Woo! And then uh, Nicole Ware chimes back in. She says, Pet Cemetery 2? Heck yeah. Carrie Brown says, Cujo? Daniel Fullman says, man's best friend. Derek Botello says, Cujo, of course, the pack, and the dog attack in Tenebrae is nifty. And then Misfit Boy Walsh says, dogs, from 1976. He even posted a link to the full movie. I didn't see that in time to watch it. See, uh, real quick, like... Trying to find both the dogs and the pack. Like, there were many times <laughs> I would type in dogs and it would take me to a link to the pack. So, and then I thought I was clicking on dogs and then I was like, oh, this is the pack again. And so I was trying to find dogs, but it, for some reason it just keeps getting linked in with the pack. So I don't know what's up with that movie. Hmm. Okay. Well, figure it out, yo. Okay. Well, and then lastly on Facebook, uh, Jonathan Watkins says, Not a dog movie, but the dog attack scene in Suspiria is one of my all-time favorite scenes in horror. Oh, in yeah. a horror movie. It's pretty gruesome. And then on Twitter, uh, we had Supraliminal Films at Supraliminal FLM says, The thing is pretty high up there. Yeah, so fucking crazy. And nobody's called in just yet. But you always can call in at 415-952-6857 or 415-95-AOTKP to leave your comments. Uh, call anytime, talk about whatever you want. We'll try to get you on the show. Thanks for everybody commenting, and that's shout-outs. Thank you, Jason, for shout-outs. You're welcome, Mike. 
So, let's now find out what's going on in our spooky library <laughs> with the wicked words with wear tear. Oh, 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 oh. covered the basics of my selection for this episode. Um, for this episode, I read Stephen King's Cujo. Whoa. Whoa. I actually read something that pertained to the episode. <laughs> uh, we planned ahead! Woo! Alright, well, <clears throat> for the most part, this book follows the, or the film, I should say, follows the book very closely at the beginning. There are a few time lapses, like things happen at different times, and a few things with their personal storylines are a little bit different, but nothing that severely affects the storyline. The, um, the one thing that is a major difference happens toward the end and I'm going to tell you what happens and I want you guys to chime in and tell me your thoughts on this I'm, I'm curious as to what you think all right so are you are you are you paying attention yep you're not you're not yep. zoning out for segments no okay. what all right what? where are we what what okay okay well they're in the car and she thinks the coast is clear or you know her son's tad is he's to the point like she's Tatter. like fuck it she's like i have to get out of here and i have to get to that house no matter what right mm -hmm. that moment yeah. and she picks up the baseball bat and she's fighting off cujo and it's intense mm -hmm. in the book she actually kills Cujo with the baseball bat. She kills him. Okay. He's dead. And she goes back to the car. And Tad is dead. Whoa. And thoughts. <laughs> that is the uh, that's that's, that's one of King Oprah's uh, book club books, right? Still good uh, book oh. of the summer. I would have to say no. What? No, no that's, that's not a comment. <laughs> what? No. That's not a thought. I'd have to say no on killing the kid. I prefer him to live, but that's just. Are you biased because you have a son of that, that is age? A, that is a biased thing. And <laughs> all that, right, that all strikes right. a chord. But so you would have asked me, like, you know, ten years ago, and I'd have been like, yeah, kill the kid. Fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> no real happy ending. Not a fully happy ending. Yeah. yeah. That screams but like the mist movie. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, the mist is such an awesome ending, but I hate it. But it's fucking awesome, and I love it. Right? But I hate it. So, right. But I hate it. You know, because, like, how how could you end it on any more of a downer than that? Like, 
Really? So, yeah, I think, like, on a uh, on an artistic horror standpoint, I'm like, well, yeah, okay, kill the kid. But then, like, you know, just on a personal level, I'll be like, yeah, that would make it even more difficult to ever want to revisit, this mo- revisit the movie. So. Sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely more impactful. And... Yeah, exactly. Like, the book... Mom needs that sadness. Bitch. <laughs> 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 um... <laughs> Yeah, reading. You know, I'd I'd obviously I'd seen the movie before I had ever read the book, and um, getting to that point, I was like, "Whoa!" Like it, it was so much more impactful the way that they did it in the book than it was in the movie, for sure. Um, and I personally don't have babies, so oh. not really caring too much about the dead kid. I mean, it's bad. You know, kids are okay. Usually. I mean, kids are okay, you know, but for the story, it's fine. Dead kid's fine for me. (laughs) That sounds really bad. Yeah. Uh, I don't... I I thought that um, it wrapped it up better. I thought personally for me in the actual film I feel that um, you know she takes him out of the car and they, she drags him to the house she knocks everything off the table and she's pouring water in his mouth and then Cujo jumps through the window and she shoots him with the sheriff's gun or the policeman's gun like it was very movie-ish mm-hmm. very yeah, Jason Voorhees-ish yeah, yeah very it was last... very it was very staged. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm. It's pretty much to the point where I feel like they changed it solely because they knew their audience wanted a happy ending. Because people always want a fucking happy ending, and I get that to a point. You know, it gives you that that feeling of relief at the end of the movie. But maybe I'm a bit of a masochist in that I really kind of like it when there's not a happy ending because I'm a pessimist a little bit and I feel that there's usually not a happy ending. Like, let's well, make this more realistic. Nobody fuckers. was going to buy a, a second movie ticket to go back and see it anyway, so you might as well <laughs> just... True. Just end it. Like, kid's dead. You're not going to make another one, okay? Kill that just, kid. It's done. It's well, done. It's a George Romero's philosophy. Terry's broke kid murder. (laughs) George Romero's philosophy on horror has always been the point of horror is to kind of mix things up to um, kind of, um, oh, and I just had it and I forgot uh, the actual quote. Um, uh, Destroy order, I guess. So Mm -hmm. why 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 would you bring things back to order at the end of the movie? Exactly. Like, I know, I mean, especially back when this, when Cujo was made, like, kid death in a movie was very, very taboo anymore. Like, now it's kind of like, oh, whatever, you know? Kill Timmy, it's okay. Exactly. We've done so much (laughs) in so many things that no one really... I mean, it's still a little impactful because the death of a child is just such a travesty in any culture, but 
in movies, it's sort of become not so out of the norm anymore. Whereas before, it was just, you know, you couldn't do it. It was something, you know, like, it was like one of those psycho moments. Like, oh my god, you flushed a fucking toilet. That's weird. Oh my god, what is happening? Like, <laughs> one of those things. Um, not to compare the death of a child to the flushing of a toilet. It's wow, all the same to it's me. getting worse, Terry. <laughs> I am gonna shut up now. So the book, you liked it? Yeah, book was good. Get Better that. ending, in my opinion. And it's a segment. And anybody else have anything they want to add to the uh, difference between the ending of the book versus the ending of the movie? I, I think, didn't Stephen King say that he regretted the ending of the book and that he kind of wanted it to to have a happier ending. Yeah, he 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 has been known to say that if, out of all his books, one book that he would go back to rewrite would be the ending of Cujo. Yeah. Really. Yeah, yeah, and he um, and he was the one that changed it. He was the one that originally changed the ending from the book to the movie because he wrote the original screenplay for it. It went through a few other hands before it ever got to screen, but he was the one who originally made the decision to change to change the ending. Dumb. Yeah. Stephen King, you may have written the book, but uh, no. Mm -mm. He, he may have been on the same drugs he was on while he's making Maximum Overdrive. Quite possibly. <laughs> <laughs> Quite possibly. We'll just uh, sweep that under the rug and we'll move on. <laughs> oh, great, great segment, Terry. Thanks. Good job. Good job. In 2004, he brought you Lights, Camera, Camera. <laughs> In 2005, not a porno, but it's called The Bag Man. <laughs> 2007, he wasn't getting laid, but he was getting through the night. 2008, complete Lack of creativity reared its ugly head once again with Legend Has It. <laughs> 2011. We'll call it 2011. Lapse of the Living Dead of the you insert whatever foreign title you want there was his baby, his brainchild. 2012, he brought us Misadventures of a Satanic Cult 2 and 3, mystifying the audience with a lack of part 1. <laughs> and then, 2014, he menstruated on your face with Demonica. <laughs> he loves three things in life. Lack of creative titles for movies. Cuddling with Jason while on the road. <laughs> and that tiny hole in the middle of the little spine thing that holds the DVD in the case and Jason goes to hell. His name is Mike, and it's time for Insane's Picks. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>
if they ever do my E! True Hollywood story, <laughs> I so want that to be how the whole show starts, that you, and we need to transcribe, transcribe that for sure. I, I don't know if I could follow Did you that. just combine menstruate and transcribe? I think I, like I did. That. I think I did. Transcribe. Transcribe. Transcribe? No, no, don't go in there. She's transcrating. <laughs> what? She's... Well, it's kind of a hybrid of bad situations. She's trying to... <laughs> oh, man. Oh, shit. Well, that was epic. That was awesome. I, that, sh that, that should be my, my IMDb bio right there. It's awesome. I can't follow that. I've got nothing for insane statements. I give up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so, Insane's pick this this episode. Um, it was a little bit of a departure for me, uh, but I just watched this movie recently, and it is really stuck with me. And for me, usually Insane's picks, they're, they're like B-movies or Grindhouse movies, cult movies. It's no secret that I love bad films. So, there is a little bit of a connection there in that um, one of the one of the worst movies ever made by Hollywood, 1996, Island of Dr. Moreau, and with uh, Marlon Brando and Val Kilmer, directed by Frank, um, or um, um, God, I can't remember his name now, Frankenheimer, can't remember his first name, uh, released by New Line Cinema, you know, so big epic movie and failed failed miserably on so many levels. So my pick for this episode is the documentary Lost Souls, Doomed Journey of, of Robert Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau. I just recently watched this. It's on Netflix right now. It's an amazing documentary. Holy shit. This should have been... They should have made a movie out of this instead of what Island of Dr. Moreau was. You First of all, you kind of get to know Richard Stanley a little bit in his background. He's the director of Dust Devil and um, um, Hardware. Um, he was kind of a revolutionary horror director for the time because he he had you know unique visions and told um, very unique stories on, on low budgets. Kind of an eclectic, uh, out there kind of director. Um, <clears throat> and so he was quickly becoming a hot commodity, especially in the horror community. And one of his dream projects since he was a child was to do an adaptation of Island of Dr. Moreau and do it as close to the original source material of the book as possible. Um, it's a book that really influenced his childhood, and every version, every version that's ever been made of the movie or um, uh, of the book um, has never really captured uh, what really the book is about. So he had his vision. He had a very clear vision. You get to see all these amazing, gorgeous sketches of of like what the what the animal animal um, people look like and just uh, um, snippets from these different scenes and stuff and it just looked like beautiful and amazing and epic and just really out there um, and so finally it comes to comes to fruition where Richard Stanley is able to make on on of Dr Moreau um, he gets a deal with New Line Cinema um, originally. Um, I can't remember who they were originally going to cast as the doctor, but then somehow it got brought up of, of Marlon Brando um, playing the uh, to the the doctor, and 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 this of course uh, 
you know, there was there was rumors going around that uh, Marlon Brando didn't want this guy, Richard Stanley, this basic unknown, really, to be the director, and there was going to be bad blood and all this, and so Richard Richard met with Marlon Brando, and they ended up hitting it off, so everything was greenlit, it was a go, and you know, they, 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 um, they originally were going to have Bruce Willis in the lead, but he backed out, and so they put... Um, um, they had Val Kilmer in the lead, and they also had um, James Woods as Dr. Moreau's assistant. Well, then Val Kilmer started causing problems and didn't want to be that much into, into the production, so he said that he wanted the assistant's part, so they kicked James Wood out, put, put Val Kilmer in his role, and it's just like this kind of shit was going on constantly during the pre-production. It was, it was a nightmare and a mess just from the pre-production standpoint. This movie... This movie is much, much more crazy story than, than anything Hollywood can actually produce. You got Richard Stanley um, at one point calls upon a friend over in Europe who does voodoo in order to come up with some concoction to make this movie actually happen. Um, and everything, when this movie does start to, go, start to go, everything goes horribly wrong. To the point that four days into shooting, Richard Stanley gets fired from the film. And they bring on, um, they, they bring on um, Frankenheimer. <clears throat> and, um, like, right off the bat, and this was also during the time when Marlon Brando's daughter committed suicide. So Marlon Brando was, like, a month behind... Um, in his shooting schedule because uh, they they just pushed his time back. So when they started filming, they didn't have their title character, um, so they had to shoot around him. And then a hurricane happened within the first couple days, so they were really scrounging around to find stuff to shoot without Brando. And then Val Kilmer was being a huge pain in the ass and being extremely difficult and obviously did not want to be there. And this pushed, pushed Richard Stanley to the brink. Like he would hide in his hotel room and wouldn't come out. There was rumors of during uh, one of the shooting days he climbed up a tree and refused to come down. Um, the movie is just freaking... The, the behind the scenes of this movie is far more insane than what actually ends up on the screen. Brando... Um, still, by the t when he was supposed to be there, he was still two weeks late and and, and like five hours late on top of that um, when he did finally show up. Um, the whole white face that Marlon Brando does and the big hats that he wears and all that shit, that was his idea. Um, that, that was just Marlon Brando came in and he had his own ideas on what the film should be. And, and um, when it came down to it, he really didn't care. But basically, um, and one of the one of the uh, one of the talking heads had said that, you know, he decided to do the white face and the big hats. Then that way, his stand-in can actually end up doing most of his scenes. Marlon Brando didn't care to the point so much that he never actually learned his lines. He had an earpiece in, and his assistant read him his lines phonetically during takes. Um, so it was just crazy. Uh, Val Kilmer, um, again, still being a huge pain in the ass, uh, did not get along with Brando. Brando did not get along with him. Nobody got along with um, Frankenheimer, and Frankenheimer hated all of them. Frankenheimer was there basically for a paycheck. He threw out Richard Stanley's amazing script and, and brought on writers. And so during the whole, what was supposed to be like a three-month production turned out to be a six-month production. And um, shot in this little island off the off the coast of Australia, 
Um, so all these people trapped on this island around everybody that hates each other for six months. Um, <clears throat> you know, three months past they're supposed to be there. And, uh, <clears throat> um, and they were literally just rewriting things during the entire production. And when um, Richard Stanley got fired, they were supposed to throw him on a plane and ship him back to America. And he, um, there was a contract that said that he was not allowed within so many feet of the production because they were worried he was going to sabotage it. Because after he got fired and they found him in his hotel room, he was shredding up documents. He was shredding, he was shredding up um, pages of the script, all of his, um, all of his storyboards and everything he could do to just destroy. Um, to destroy uh, what they would need to make this movie. And so they take him, they, they go to put him on the plane, um, and they leave, and then they found out he never got on the plane. So he, so for several weeks, he was MIA, and they found him just living in the woods, not too far away from, from, the, from the camp. And he snuck onto the set and talked to one of the makeup guys into making a, uh, like a dog mask for him. And so he's Richard Stanley, the fired director of this production that wasn't supposed to be anywhere near the production is can be seen in the background in a dog mask in the movie throughout throughout the movie. And it's just insane that what you know I highly recommend this documentary. It is definitely far more entertaining entertaining the island of Dr. Moreau. Just totally between the lack of experience on Richard Stanley's part and dealing with that kind of budget and that, and that big of a crew and those big egos from like Val Kilmer um, and the poor decisions that was made. It was a very poor decision. Um, Richard Stanley had um, looked around for, for weeks and months trying to find the right location and he picked this island because of a particular mountain that's in the middle of the island and it would and it would be great for the background shots and it was impossible to ever see the mountain from the location so it was all pointless anyway um, just amazing amazing documentary um, <clears throat> I would highly recommend checking it out it's on Netflix right now Lost Souls Doom Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau so check it out Wow! Crazy. yeah Oh, man. I, just, I feel like I just barely touched the tip of the iceberg on the insanity of this production. That's on Netflix, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Can't wait to see it. Totally need to see it. I mean, if you ever, if you like documentaries about filmmaking, especially um, disastrous filmmaking, like if you've ever seen, um, uh, what was the, um, the, the documentary, uh, oh, God. The Terry Gilliam failed movie. Oh, um... Oh, yeah. Uh, God damn it. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. If you ever seen the that... The Quixote one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if you ever seen that documentary, that this one puts it to shame. It really does. So, oh, okay. Yeah. They need to make a movie based on... Because it, it, it's, it's straight out of fiction. It's unbelievable. Anyway. I, di I digress. All right, so is that it? Mm -hmm. We we done? Is that another episode in the in the bag, as they say? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> sure sounds like it. All right, cool. <laughs> All right, so I guess I guess if anybody else has any um, final thoughts, we'll draw to close here. 
on Attack of the Killer podcast. I want to thank everybody for being on. Huge crew tonight. This is awesome. Love having everybody on. Thanks for joining everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Make that Chihuahua movie or something. Do it. <laughs> do it. All right, we'll do it. <laughs> All right, so until next time, everybody, have a howling good time. Is that a monkey? <laughs> Oh no, could this be the end of? Attack of the killer!